Ho, 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 shit. Santa, please. Look, she's supposed to be going away with me for the weekend, goddammit. Well, we decided that we would go skiing for a few days, hmm? Yeah, and I've been looking forward to this for three weeks, bitch. Isn't Santa naughty? Ho, 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 fuck. again to Won't Stay Dead, the podcast that looks at the more cute world of cult and horror films. Yay! Uh, it's our it's our Christmas special. Um, this episode, um, last time, or last year, we, we were thinking of doing Bob Clark's Black Christmas for our Christmas special, but it didn't happen in the end because of various stuff. Um, so we're doing it this year, which is pretty cool, because it's a good wee film. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll introduce the panel at, at, at the offset. So um, it's 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 really it's really difficult because like whenever we used to record it in the same room, I used to always say to my left is and to my right is, and that was a good way of doing it. But now I, I can't. All I can say is like, over in Belfast is yeah. I suppose I can say that over in Belfast is is D. Hello. And also over in Belfast is is Paul. Hello. A- what were you going to call me there? I was going to call you P. <laughs> Because they say, because you're crazy, P. Fair enough. You know, one of those ones where, like, you've got you've got a choice of two words, and because your brain can't think quickly enough, you could just do, like, a kind of amalgamation of them both and sound like a weirdo. Yeah. That's what I did. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, from the offset, very, very briefly, very, very quickly, did you did you guys generally like Black Christmas? Yeah. I, I, I was... Uh... Kind of surprised. I think I went into it thinking it was going to be shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, I had well, I had low expectations, but um, left very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah. I did really. Enjoy it. A couple of weeks ago, I sat down to watch it, and I got to the opening sequence, and then I thought, Do you know what? No, I want to watch something really good instead. So I turned it off. And <laughs> then when I came watch it the other night, I thought, Oh, actually, fuck! I was an idiot. This is yeah. this is really good. Because it is actually really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, well, yeah, um, I guess we'll get on to the beers, but I don't think by the looks of things you guys are, are drinking. No, I, I'm still off the booze. I, I've, I've more or less held out for a month. And then going. I'm going to Dublin on Friday, and I'm going to drink then. Cool. Fair enough. So you're just yeah. drinking tea? Uh, yes. Okay. Which is black, so it's a black. <laughs> I was going to have mine black as well, but I actually don't well, really like black tea, so that would have been miserable. Uh, well, no, there is milk in it, but before I added the milk, it was black. Yeah, <laughs> okay. And then, and then black, you added you added a bit of snowy milk. Crazy P, what what have you got? You just got black. You go. Well, I do actually have some beers here, and they're connected by by one thing. I bought some local beers. Uh, I got this one, Gallopers Golden Eel. Gallopers is. And there is a there's a legend that's not really connected to Black Christmas at all. That's not at all. Um, but it uh, there's a legend of Gallagher Thompson who founded the animal feed factory there. Um, and I don't know when, like 
19th century sometime, and he was decapitated by uh, some some sort of mill equipment. And uh, the legend goes that his ghost still haunts streets around um, around the show road, um, around the mill, and he rides around in a horse and uh, uh, sort of terrorizes people at night. And horse owners, back when people did own horses around the show road, apparently people used to come out in the morning and find their horses exhausted after a, a night of mystery, and it's a galloper came and took them. I also have a bottle of Boundary Berliner Weiss, which... Uh, is brewed just about a mile from here in Boundaries, best beer I've ever tasted. Um, and also got a bottle of Farmageddon uh, India Porter. And the connection, please, for Christmas is that they're Christmas presents for other people, so I can't drink them. <laughs> so I'm also drinking tea. I did like the story of Galbert. I, uh, if you're if you're ever around the show road, and you shouldn't be because it's it's horrible, it's a hellhole. Like uh, you'll some you might see monuments or murals to Galloper and uh, they're like the lamest murals you'll find anywhere in Belfast but they don't have like guns and a headless <laughs> horseman which is kind of cool cool Can I just mention uh, I've got Oreos as well oh fuck sort of yeah, well, they're, they're American, like white and yeah. it's black, black oh it's Canadian yeah, um, it's black and it's got snow in the middle I don't know yeah apparently yeah. yeah. it's got snow well, I've got... In the Oreo? In the Oreos. But <laughs> well, it wasn't real snow black Christmas either, so... <laughs> I've got a, a Marks and Spencer's beer called um, Greenwich Winter Spiced Porter. I've had that, mm. nice. Um, and obviously, w- Winter Spiced Porter, so it's all Christmassy. It's got allspice and cinnamon in it and stuff, so it's a Christmassy beer. Um, but also... Is it one of the ones brewed by Meantime? Um, yeah, it is actually, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, bre- it's brewed by the Meantime Brewery, uh, which is in Greenwich. Um, for um, for Marks and Spencers, and obviously, Greenwich is in London, and in Canada, in Ontario, there is a London, and the film is set in the province of Ontario, the capital of which is Toronto. And then I'm I'm being like Mrs. Mac as well. I've got a nice bottle of sherry, <laughs> yeah, cool. um, and it's it's, it's classic um, Harvey's Bristol Cream, so it's nice nice Christmassy sweet sherry. So, I'm oh, actually, I've got some sherry here as well. But oh, you've got Croft, nice. Yeah. Well, there you go. You, you can have a wee sherry, and we can be like Mrs. Mac. I might actually use it to feed the Christmas Christmas cake, but um, yeah. might have a sherry. Exactly. I I, I did Sorry. have mince pies. I bought them during during the weekend, but then um, because recording was delayed a few by a few days, I uh, I ate them. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I've got some mystery liquid in a bottle with IPA <laughs> written on it. So right. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It doesn't look like IPA anyway. <laughs> No. <laughs> you never know. Maybe it's a nice IPA. Maybe you should drink it. Good beer. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> well, we got stuck into our beers and tea. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> and uh, be back after this. Your phone's ringing.
like your pretty piggy cunt. Yes. The caller is in the house. The calls are coming from the house. So yeah, um, under the under the main feature, I guess, and it's our Christmas special. So obviously, as as said, we're we're covering Bob Clark's Black Christmas, nineteen seventy four, considered one of the first slasher films, and it's like our our kind of Halloween and Christmas specials are supposed to be a kind of communal choice, but but in reality, this was kind of my suggestion. So, um, pleased that uh, David and or D- David, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> Please, the D-, <laughs> D and Crazy P, uh, um, you know, agreed to go along with it. Um, ho- hopefully, they were pleasantly surprised. Um, but just basically from the offset, I may as well just give my opinion. Um, I, this is what this is one of my favorite horror films. One of my favorite films. Um, I think it's I think it's kind of up there um, with like The Thing and Dawn of the Dead and maybe like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something like I at, at times I'm I'm adamant that Black Christmas is, is my favourite film or my favourite horror film um, and um, I I also love it because I don't actually watch it during 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 the rest of the year so it's become a bit of a Christmas tradition for me I only, I've only I only saw it for the first time about seven years ago so it wasn't even like a film that I kind of remember from my childhood or anything Um but now, like every year, I, I watch it and I watch um, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and I watch another really good film called uh, Christmas Evil, or it's also known as um, uh, You Better Watch Out, which we'll maybe kind of talk about other Christmas horror films later on. But um, yeah, I, I absolutely love Black Christmas. It's so um, dark and kind of scary and creepy, but it also manages to be really Christmassy because it's, it's quite dark and you have the Christmas lights everywhere and it actually it ma- it makes you feel Christmassy at the same time as scaring you. So yeah, that's why I love it. Um, Crazy P, what did you think of it? Yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, it actually did scare me quite a bit, uh, which doesn't really happen uh, very much anymore. Um, it's really disturbing on like a number of levels, but it is quite Christmassy as well. Um, horror movies always sort of remind me of Christmas anyway. It, it sort of re- reminds me of Christmas in the same way that like that uh, Hammer movie, a good Hammer movie does, or like, I don't know, but um, yeah, it uh, it had a, it has all that, all that sort of lovely Christmassy charm going on, as well as the really horrendous, disturbing moments, and um, it's, yeah, very, very good, um, I went to bed quite nervous afterwards, and uh, there's a, a trapdoor above our, our toilet, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I had to take a deep breath. Brilliant. D, what about you? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, same as uh, Paul there. That kind of like it left me with that sort of disturbed feeling, you know, watching it, which I don't often get these days, you know, at all anymore, actually. I'm struggling to think of the last sort of horror film I watched that left me with that sort of feeling. But um, I really enjoyed the cinematography and stuff as well. I thought it was excellent, like especially the point of view shots and stuff. I th- thought they were far better than anything I've seen in like Halloween or... Friday the 13th or anything like that you know, the, you know yeah. just even the 
the the scenes where he's stalking his victims and stuff. I just thought that was that was great. Just wonderfully shot. And yeah, I did the actors as well. I, I thought they all added to it. Like you know, it wasn't like watching Friday the Thirteenth. Um, seeing all these horrible actors put on a woeful performance. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas this this time I sort of genuinely believed the you know, in the in their performances. So yeah, no, I, I genuinely enjoyed it. Yeah, I just I was just reading on uh, IMDB there, um that uh, it was actually the, 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 the cinematographer guy who obviously is a result of or he also is responsible for the kind of amazing shots. He actually um like made this harness himself uh, and put the camera on it, so the kind of I think I think the, it was just kind of just below his or just kind of on his shoulder. I think the camera was, and then he actually scaled, you know the um, what do you, what do you call those things that, on which plants grow up up the things up, up the side. Uh, but you know what I mean. He, he climbs those and goes yeah. in. Yeah. Um, and so it was all it was all done Trump. like that. There's there's a really good um, documentary on YouTube about Black Christmas, and it was like. It's seemingly one one episode of a a kind of a series like a series about Canadian film, you know. So every oh, yeah. every week they talk about a different Canadian film, and the, there's an episode where they talk about Black Christmas on it, and they interview Bob Clark, and they interview the actors, and it's really really interesting. I mean, like if you just go on YouTube and search Black Christmas documentary, you, you'll find it. Um, and yeah, he actually describes how he like he actually created the uh, the rig himself. It wasn't just something that he'd bought, and you know, and kind of it was, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just kind of one of those films. It was it was completely kind of DIY, and they were really kind of working with you know because because it's, it's a low budget film, you know, in in terms of you know cin- cinematic terms anyway. It's low budget, um, probably still like you know a hundred a hundred thousand Canadian dollars you know to make in nineteen seventy four, which but you know it's still low budget, but. Um, yeah, it's just absolutely phenomenal, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And like the, the the other thing that um that Bob Clark kind of says in that documentary is that like as as far as he was concerned up until that point, like North, North American horror films or North American film in general, any time they were they were um depicting uh, students like students were always, you know, like idiots. They were like, you know, um yeah. like they like they they went to the beach and they surfed and they listened to rock and roll music and you know they did stupid things and they were always getting up to pranks whereas he wanted to actually depict students as they are because obviously students are you know mature responsible educated people so they don't all get on like that and I think that comes through I think like the, the characters are are just so much better than you than you would see in any slasher film you know they're so much more intelligent so much more drawn out uh, what do you call Margot Kidder's characters Barb yeah because she came across as like sort of quite um, like independent in a way, but like also at the same time, like maybe emotionally immature as well. Yeah. So I thought she sort of conveyed both of those like very well. Um, well, that certainly came across to me anyway. And even the main actress, who I've forgotten her name, is it Hussey? Olivia Hussey. Yeah, she was in Romeo and Juliet. I think she was yeah. famous. I, I remember watching that in like English class when I was in school. But uh, yeah, I thought she was pretty good in her role as well um, yeah you know you sort of believe the character and, like she came across as quite sensible and, yeah I think which was she was supposed to be wasn't she and like couldn't you know they couldn't believe it was her boyfriend doing this stuff yeah yeah exactly you probably probably read that anecdote on IMDB where she like she tried out for a part in Roxanne 
and she oh, met, yeah. she, oh, yeah. she met Steve Martin, and Steve Martin said you were in my favorite film of all time, and she thought he meant Romeo and Juliet, but he actually meant Black Christmas, and apparently he claimed to have seen it, <laughs> seen it twenty-seven times. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Ever see off off topic? But uh, you ever see you know that blog Letters of Note? No. And uh, it's 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 good. It's, it's just like this guy's collated all these letters from like famous people that um, are just interesting letters, you know. But uh, there's one. A fan letter to Steve Martin, or a fan fan letter uh, reply from Steve Martin, and uh, it's it's fucking genius. It's just uh, it's basically it's like a, a form letter that uh, has Steve Martin has obviously typed this up himself for this, this particular fan, but he's left a lot of blank spaces, which he's then handwritten in these like ridiculous little little things, and it's like a, you know uh, thank you for your letter, Bob. Uh, and um, like, don't forget to keep a bed made up in Boulder, Colorado, for me. And uh, next time I come visit, yes, I will never, I will never forget that afternoon we spent in Rio, walking along the beach, holding hands, arm in arm, looking at like rocks. <laughs> it's just, it's fucking genius. It's so, Brilliant. so fucking well thought out. It's stupid, and like, obviously, it took so much time to to actually put together. Um, what happened to Steve Martin? Don't know. That was like that was when he was a, <laughs> he was a, a comedy god, and then he just he must have stopped yeah. trying. Like, yeah, do you remember the, the classic um, Dennis Penis moment when he meets Steve Martin yeah. and he says, "Steve, how come you're not funny anymore?" <laughs> yeah. uh, I, know. I remember. Was it Bowfinger? <laughs> it was good. I wonder if it's his like 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 his last good film. Yeah, because it was about ninety six or ninety seven, wasn't it? I remember. Um, and it was just funny. Planes, trains, and automobiles, and uh, the jerk. Oh yeah, yeah. The jerk's amazing. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> or the the letter he writes to his mom in the jerk, and it's like, uh, <laughs> she's going to get me a job. She says if <laughs> if I uh, if I brush my teeth and or something, or I get a new suit, she'll give me a blue job. And all his brothers and sisters are really <laughs> laughing, and then the mom's like, oh, she sure sounds like a nice girl. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of similar to what happens in Black Christmas in a way, uh, with the fellatio moment. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah actually. <laughs> The policeman doesn't know what it is. I mean, I, 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 I don't know if if it's still the same in Canada, but I, you know, I had absolutely no fucking idea what they were talking about in terms of like, oh, it's a new exchange, fe. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just assumed it's like some sort of prefix or code that you'd yeah. have to put on. Something that they do, yeah. Um, yeah, and but, then but, he obviously didn't know what it was. Yeah, and then they kind of. Um, John Saxon's character, Lieutenant Fuller, kind of pull, pulls him up on it later on. He didn't know what fellatio meant. And then he tries to defend it. <laughs> yeah. I know. Something dirty, ain't it? <laughs> the other policeman's just pissing himself. That's all he seemed to do, really. Yeah, I think he's actually credited as uh, the, the laughing policeman. Oh, yeah. Cool. But, like I mean, the song? It, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not even that, that brilliant a prank, is it? Really? It's not that funny. No, no. <laughs> I, I, no. At the time, actually, when she actually says it, it's like, it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, this is this is where you're getting into that dumb student sort of territory. But actually, then it pays off by <laughs> by uh, sort of making a reappearance with the, the policeman. Yeah, yeah exactly, because it's but kind of. The, what were you going to say, Dave? No, just at the time, I was thinking this is quite a serious, you know, matter. You shouldn't be messing about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> someone's been murdered. I know. Or kidnapped. Sorry. I mean, is is that before or after they find the wee girl in the in the park? Can't remember. Before, I think it's before. Yeah, yeah. It is. yeah. 
Um, but yeah, like kind of get, getting back to the uh, like the, the the central characters and how they kind of differ. Um, you know, because like like if like if you watch some some other kind of you know you American slashers from around that period, and you know students and kids are just p- portrayed as as absolutely pathetic. And women as completely weak, and you know, having to be rescued by men, and kind of being completely objectified. And there's there's absolutely none of that in Black Christmas. In fact, I I actually find that the fact that um, the central character is a woman who is planning to have an abortion is like that must have been so ahead of its time. And especially when you consider yeah, totally. like the the way that's portrayed is that she is kind of making this decision because she wants to finish her studies and and have a nice have a good career and peter um her boyfriend is is portrayed as a dick for for yeah, kind of having arsehole. yeah for kind of having the pro life argument and in, in like 1974 and i think like it kind of showed it, it kind of showed a lot of respect for for the character and and for and for the and for the female characters in the film in general yeah, I liked the speech that she gave to him actually uh, when they brought that up. Like it was like you know you wanted to be a trained concert pianist and become this great pianist or whatever. And you know I I can't remember what she said she wanted to do, but then she went on to say you know uh, because you stopped having those dreams doesn't mean that I did sort of thing. And yeah, you know, yeah, I, I still want to have those dreams. I'm not going to stop because you you've chosen to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I mean that 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 debate is still feels like it's no further on today like you know just this that conversation still feels like it's treading the same water again you know yeah uh, yeah and um it's funny though i i wonder like peter i wonder was he really advocating through the pro-life lobby or was this just his sort of personal choice for the moment like that his particular situation you know you sort of get the, the impression that when you when you do get the impression that he is a killer through a lot, a lot of it, um, and you think that he is he's been driven to murder by the idea that his girlfriend is is about to have an abortion, but actually, a lot of what I assumed about him then turned out not to be true. I'm not sure how much I assumed about his stance on like, the abortion or or what. You know, yeah. I'm not sure how. He, like he obviously did feel strongly enough to smash up a piano, um, <laughs> but um, but he. <laughs> You know, I don't know. It's hard to hard to really gauge what his actual well sort of. I kind of got a bit of Driller Killer from him. You know, that the character in Driller Killer. Yeah, like, yeah. And I think the representation of him doing his piano recital thing. I think that was supposed to be an element of him kind of having a bit of a breakdown. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and then to give you that impression that I he might sure, be a greatest killer. Like that piece he was playing. I mean, I'm I'm no cultured pianist judge or whatever but uh, that piece he played he sounded like he played that pretty fucking well but the, the guys who were, yeah. were like like what I is know. this shit I know it, yeah. it, 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 sounded, it sounded to me like like bar talk or something it was obviously like something yeah, something, yeah. something horrendously modernist um, yeah, yeah. and yeah. like to even begin learning that imagine the first day you're sitting down at the piano le- trying to learn that I think this doesn't sound like fucking anything <laughs> how am I supposed to yeah. work out what this is but yeah I know like when you're listening to it you're kind of thinking Jesus, this guy can. This guy's a really good pianist, and the judges are just sitting there with fucking faces like smacked arses. Yeah. <laughs> but about the abortion, yeah, like, like I know what you mean. Like, just just because Peter's against that particular abortion doesn't mean he's pro-life. But it's just the way he kind of says, you know, um, you're, you're talking about killing our baby as if you were talking about having a yeah. wart removed. That that yeah. that kind of yeah. that kind of said to me, oh, this is a guy who kind of 
kind of thinks True. that you know killing babies is wrong. But I suppose it supposes you know it's he's talk, he's thinking about his own baby, so you can't really you can't really definitely tar him with the kind of you know that the, the uh, pro life brush. But um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I think e- e- even even the first time I saw it, I I, I don't think I ever thought that he was um, the killer because just because of the way the uh, film kind of plays out because it starts with this weird creepy guy who breathes really heavily climbing up into the attic and then you see Peter about the place and all all the while you know that yeah, the killer's still in the attic actually, yeah. so like un- unless yeah. unless they're going to pull like a real ridiculous you know kind of <laughs> slasher era twist that doesn't even make sense um, I actually think there were maybe two killers and I actually I'm not convinced that there weren't either because the the girl little girl is murdered outside she's murdered after the first student is murdered isn't she uh, yeah outside the sorority as well so obviously the killer is it, it, there are two killers and the two murders are unconnected or they are connected or um or the killer is leaving the sorority house and um, to kill the theory that i read online was that he killed the whoever the killer was killed the 13 year old girl as well to like lead the police away Okay. Yeah. So that's just a, like an online theory I read, but on the the Peter thing, like uh, that's the thing. I think like the villain did a good enough job of directing you towards him as being suspicious. And mm-hmm. but I also like thought it could have been other people as well. Like I don't think I think it was it did a good job of you know saying it could have been other people too. On the point of the thirteen year old girl, the there was a reference to that which made me decide that Peter was a wanker. Um, whenever um. Your woman had been out as part of the search party, and she was supposed to meet Peter back at the house. And she goes back to the house, and Peter's already waiting there. You know, like a creep, and uh, says, "You know, you know, I've been waiting around here. What have you been doing?" And she was like, "Oh, I was part of the search party." And then his response is, "Oh, how noble!" Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's Peter, <laughs> fucking wanker. I, I know. Like, um, well, I suppose like. I just kind of wanted to, wanted to say quickly the, the fact that he's able to let himself into the house, and then they make a they make a comment later on. Do you realize that this is the only window in the door window in the house that's locked? I'm wondering is this like a thing like in Canada in the 1970s that people just not lock their doors? You know what I mean? Maybe this is it seems yeah, like an old fashioned thing, and it seems like a Canadian thing to do. It's like, oh yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like I, I kind of got that the whole the whole way through the film from Peter because like Jess makes a comment later on whenever. Um, John Saxon's character, the the, the uh, police lieutenant. Um, whenever he kind of he he suspects Peter, and he makes that known to Je- to Jess. She then kind of says something like, "Oh, you know, I couldn't believe it would be Peter. He's always so sensitive." And you kind of think, really, because from what we've seen over the past <laughs> hour in this film, he is a complete and utter aggressive prick. You know, it's like like whenever whenever the obviously the conversation they're having isn't going isn't going his way, so he smashes like a. A tree ornament. His recital doesn't go well, so he smashes up the piano. As you said, yeah. D, he, he doesn't give a fuck that they've that they've been out for looking for someone. Whenever he tell, whenever Jess tells her that a, a little girl was murdered and that Claire Harrison is missing, all he can say is Claire's okay. Anyway, what I wanted to say was, <laughs> I don't even know why like a, like a nice kind of intelligent woman like Jess is is going out with him. No, it's, well, I suppose like it. It seems like a. An approved sort of boyfriend, almost, you know, in in terms of she maybe feels that she has to be go, like going out with someone who's the cream of society, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Because you kind of get that element from her as well. But I don't, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, just, yeah, 
Yeah, because whenever he kind of pushes her and says, you know, like, what what would getting married change? You know, you could still have your ambitions and dreams, but we could just be married. And then she fi- he pushes her, so she finally has to say, to be honest with you, I, it's just that I don't want to marry you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if, if you really want to know, I don't want to marry you, okay? It's not that I can't. It's <laughs> that I don't want to. It's weird, um... It's weird that, like, an English woman, like, um, is going to, like, a university in Canada in the 70s. Yeah, I, I was kind of wondering about kind that. Of strange. I was kind of wondering, like, is yeah. she supposed to be posh Canadian, or is she just, we're just yeah. supposed to accept that she's British? Could it be, yeah. Uh, I mean, is she, Jackie is Argentinian, isn't she? Is she? Or am I thinking somebody By else? By birth, yeah. yeah. She was born there, but I think she grew up in England. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. What sort of a name is Hussie? I've never heard that surname before. Oh, it sounds like yeah. one of those ridiculously posh surnames, though. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, yeah. like uh, Olivia could be like a, a Spanish yeah. speaker's name, but Hussey sounds weird. Yeah, yeah. English probably. It sort of sounds like a porn star name in a way. Yeah, Olivia Hussey. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I had what it. A... Sorry, D. But... So I was uh, well. I was I was going to ask a question, but like, if it's still on the same topic, no, no I, I was I was going to I was going to go into something else, but uh, I'll get back to it. I was going to ask what you think of uh, or thought of Margot Kidder's performance. Yeah, uh, I thought it was actually really good. Yeah, um, very good. Um, I was sort of disappointed to see her die. Actually, I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought uh, I thought actually uh, as well. Her character was pretty well fleshed out because I thought uh, she managed to both be charming but also have that, that real mean girl streak as well you know and even though she sort of did sort of descend into just being kind of annoying and drunk it wasn't it wasn't like just out of sheer stupidity she was obviously deeply unhappy about something you know Yeah. and uh, I don't think you ever really find out exactly what that phone call she has is is it with her mother but yeah uh, her mother's going away for Christmas and abandoning her and uh, don't really get the full details but uh, yeah, she says something like, she says something like, down the phone, like you, you're a real gold plated whore, mother. So I think yeah, it's obviously that her her father is away or dead or somewhere like that, and then she's supposed to be spending Christmas with her mum, but her mum's decided to to bugger off with her new fling. Yeah. Um. So that's... what was the what was the thing at the start? Sorry, where um, she's supposed to have had a go at is it Jess? She called the first victim. Yeah. No, no. Jess is the main girl. Uh, Claire. Oh, Claire, sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, Claire. Claire, yeah. Claire Harrison. Claire. Sorry. Um. Yeah. She's supposed to have had a go at her, but I think I kind of missed that or didn't pick up on it. And then only whenever she said that she'd had a go at her. Yeah. She like she decides that she's what she's going to do. Is she's going to go skiing for Christmas. So she asks Jess. Jess says yes. She asks Phil. Phil says yes. And then she asks Claire. Um. And Claire says no. And then Barb tuts. And then. From from the way Jess and Phil are looking at each other, you can kind of tell this is some, this is obviously an ongoing thing that you know Barb is always picking on Claire because then whenever after they ha- get the first phone call, then Barb says makes that really horrendous comment you can't rape a tiny, and then um, oh yeah, yeah Claire kind of runs off and then Jess makes a comment like she's had trouble enough fitting in here without you getting at her all the time so they kind of actually quite successfully and indirectly and not blatantly kind of throw open that context and, and, and let you let yeah. see the workings of, of this, this group of people and obviously this is a, this is an ongoing thing it's, it's brilliant the way they do that you know like in a, in a shitter yeah. film they might have had to kind of have explicit dialogue stating that that happens 
Yeah, but yeah, the, the, yeah. the film's kind of in, intelligent and subtle enough to just to just present you with these things, and if if if, if you notice them, you it opens up the entire context of the film. I think that's why I like. I suppose as a direct sort of comparison, like, like I can't help but compare it to like Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth and stuff. I, I enjoyed the dialogue way more. Or was sort of more uh, drawn into it. Like, yeah. whereas I sort of find myself getting really annoyed with the characters in in those other two films. It's so much less inane. I mean, what do you call that um, test that you do on films? It's like the like the Bechdel test or something, and it's like. Oh yeah, the Bechdel. Yeah, so yeah. Like the women have to be on screen and talking to each other about something other than men for a certain amount yeah. of time yeah. for the film to pass the, pass the test. I mean, surely, surely Black Christmas passes that test. Uh, yeah, you would think so. But I'm not sure. Um, they definitely talk about men a number of times. Like, yeah. yeah, they talk about Christmas, their Christmas plans together a lot. And... Yeah, and boy, but they do talk about even Peter. Uh, I don't know yeah. it's in context of the film but it's still I guess it still counts doesn't it maybe yeah yeah, yeah well it, it definitely still counts but I, it, I I suppose yeah but what kind of was just kind of continuing that thing where it's just like when you listen to like Annie and Laurie um, in Halloween talking and you know, the three girls are having their conversation at the start of the film it, it, it is pretty inane isn't it it's just kind of like yeah talking about boys and <laughs> blah 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 whereas like in Black Christmas I think as Bob Clark said he wanted to present students as intelligent educated people and i think he he does that i think it's i did think the start was quite funny when she's on the phone uh, going hello pardon hello what about the phone phone then the voices on the phone oh yeah there are there were, well there are three three actors did the voices together yeah um I'm pretty sure there are parts that were that can't be done with less than two people. Yeah, it definitely comes across like that, doesn't it? Um, yeah. So, what do you make of that? So, like, I think that's... but Bob Clark did some Nick Mancuso, some guy called Nick Mancuso did some of them, yeah. and then and like an uncredited woman, which just feels <laughs> kind of yeah. flies in the face of everything we were saying about the film's portrayal of strong women. But yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, and like, that's actually another another point at which I, I like. I think. Margot Kidder's brilliant in the film, but I don't actually like Barb as a person. I think she's a bit of a dick. Yeah. yeah. But um, whenever, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Whenever they have the first phone call, and then then Claire Harrison says, "Could could that be more than one person?" Which, if you listen to it, is a perfectly valid thing to say. And then mm-hmm. Barb comes up with this really sarky thing. No, no, that's the that's the, that's the Mormon Tabernacle Choir doing their annual yeah. obscene phone call. I think, fuck you, Barb. I mean, what? like it was an actual genuine question. You don't need to be sarky. But. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. Like, there's, there's definitely points that, that there's absolutely no way one person could make could make all those signs. Yeah. So, what do you think? Does that? Do you think that sort of says something about the killer? Then about, um, are we, are we, uh, are we misled? Still, do you think that there's only one killer, or, uh, killer, or is it? Uh, well, to be honest, it's it's never occurred to me that there was that there were more than one killer. I just take it as, you know, it just is. Yeah. It's just one guy, but it. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the I noise. had a theory. I was watching it, and I'm, I'm sure it wouldn't stand up under second, uh, under a second watch. It wouldn't stand up under scrutiny. But uh, at one point, two locals come to the door. One with a rifle, and yeah. they were like, and they say we're um, we're part of the search party, and then they sort of chat to them, and then they go off, 
And I sort of had it in my head that those guys were going to turn out to be the killers. I thought that was going to be the twist. <laughs> and I, I, I don't think the idea was never really dismissed, but possibly it was never dismissed because it never occurred to anybody that it might be a possibility, you know. But yeah. um, I still think possibly the two, there definitely seemed to be two voices. They had really weird voices, those guys. Um, yeah. And they seemed pretty, they didn't seem like completely with it. Although I, I'm not sure. I think maybe at one point you do see them earlier during the search party, possibly when they're going on. So I don't know. But. Yeah, um, I quite. I thought the that uh, particular scene was quite funny, though. Yeah, yeah. Of, I think they were supposed to be displayed as sort of the local like yokels that sort of yeah, get yeah. involved in everything and are really nosy. And then her reaction was, "I'd rather face the killers." Yeah, of, was, <laughs> like you know, it's like something that we would think if you know. Mormons called at the door or something. You know, yeah. I remember this girl at my work one time. Uh, girl who worked there permanently. Uh, there was another girl at a Christmas tent uh, who uh, went out to went out to the pub with us one night drinking and got off with these other two Christmas temps who uh, were just just kind of weird looking guys. And uh, the next day, <laughs> Laura, my my colleague, was like, "She got off with those two. Fucking hell! I'd rather get off with Roy Chubby Brown on my own da." <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, harsh, like. <laughs> that is genius. <laughs> what a brilliant thing to say! Yeah, I, 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 I love it. Like, like they're uh, like, the, like the, those two guys are so Canadian because um, what, is, what does she say? Oh, yeah, she says like, uh, oh, like I, we would invite you in, but our dog died last night, and they're like, oh, well, you know, we, we wouldn't want to bother you at a time like that. <laughs> it's like yeah. they take that really seriously. Oh my god, these you know, these people's dogs have just died. You know, we should go. Um, but yeah, because then th- th- that's the point at which Jess says, um, "Do you realize that this is the only room door or window in the house not locked?" Um, and I actually find that a bit weird because it actually I actually find it a bit annoying from in terms of the script because I thought that's actually that's kind of making them out to be a bit stupid because surely if all, this, all going on, surely yeah. if all this stuff was happening, you would um. lock all the windows and doors in your house. But yeah, so like we were talking about the. Um, the uh, killer's kind of voice and and the uh, calls that he makes and like were you were you guys like because I've kind of seen it maybe about seven or eight times now. Um, would you guys like could, could you guys kind of piece together what what the phone calls were about? Uh, I just the name Billy, I guess, kept coming up and yeah, I said that's all I could really make out. And yeah, like, could you guys make more of it out? Not really. I had to turn on subtitles a couple of times to try and make stuff out, and I couldn't really make much chance. I, I actually, I thought it was quite random. Uh, uh, Agnes as well came up, didn't it? The name Agnes. Yeah. yeah. But then, I then think... there's there's a song at the end about uh, about Daddy going hunting or something. I wondered was it maybe all connected to that song, but I don't know the song. Um, hmm. It's kind of one of those things where, like, when you first see it, it it, it just sounds like gibberish, and then. You watch it a few more times, and you go, well, "There's something. There's something. There is something going on here." Um, uh, basically, in, in in that documentary that I watched, Bob Clark basically says, like, even though it's not explained in the film, he he had the idea in his head of what it was. Um, and then yeah. in the 2006 remake, they actually just explain it all, so it's not it's not a mystery. So you oh, know, right. you know exactly okay. who the people are and, and and their background. But I think essentially what it is is that Billy is is the name of the guy, but like Billy's the name of the killer, right. and. When he yeah. was young, his younger sister Agnes was born, and then right. 
you know, broadly speaking, there isn't like a kind of exact exact plot, but basically what happened was Billy was abused by his parents, and so mm-hmm. then he abuses and kills his sister Agnes. And so right, he, okay. and so he's hiding the body. And so that's why right, okay. whenever he's whenever he's doing the impersonation of his parents, it's all, you know, wh- where did you put the baby? Where, where did you put Agnes? Ah, okay. What, right, cool. what, what your mother and I must yeah. know is where did you put Agnes, Billy? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, I quite liked the not knowing, though. Yeah, exactly. like that, that, that's what I enjoyed about it. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I felt it didn't. Yeah, it didn't need the resolution for me in the end. In fact, yeah. I sort of enjoyed it once you didn't find out. Like once the credits came up, I was quite happy. It, it's, it's, I felt yeah. satisfied. And, yeah, I remember like the first time I watched it because the whole way through, I was just expecting at some point we're going to find out who the killer is. And then the, the, the final thing, you know, where it's like that, that that amazing shot where, like, I think it's all one shot where, like, everyone's crowded around Jess's bed when she's asleep. And then yeah. one by one, they all disappear and they turn off the lights. And then the camera scans. You're like, what are you camera, doing? I know what are you doing. <laughs> and then the uh, camera scans There's up something the hallway. Quite, uh, yeah, that, that was great. There's some, uh, like, even what you were saying earlier, Ian, um, about it feels Christmassy. There's something quite Christmassy about the ending, the way they turn off all the lights one by one. It's It's almost like the end of the... Or the end of like a TV sitcom or something, yeah. you know, the the final one in the series or the Christmas special, yeah. you know, just everybody's going to bed sort of thing. Yeah. Exactly, it's like it's yeah. Christmas Eve, yeah. And what's what's the what's the Santa thing? It was the night before uh, Christmas, and all through the house, not, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Yeah, it's like that. But then, like, but then the camera goes up into the attic, and and it scans on Claire Harrison's face, <laughs> and then the killer says one more time, "Agnes, it's me, Billy." And I remember, yeah. like, whenever he said that, when I first saw it, and then it just started zooming out, like, I just, I was just, like, transfixed on the screen, just completely <laughs> awestruck. I was just like, that, that is one of the fucking best films and one of the best yeah. ending film I have ever fucking seen. <laughs> when the phone rings, just in the middle of the credits, and you're like, that's it. <laughs> it's done. Like, do you guys think that uh, that means Jess definitely died? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, I think it's, like, just just left enough time well maybe not even enough time but like you know in, in a dramatic sense it leaves enough time to sort of um, assume that I think uh, yeah. I suppose it gives um, I, I, I was actually going to ask Ian like, but you've mentioned it before um, like was there ever talk of a sequel but was that famous is it John Carpenter the famous anecdote about that yeah yeah I think um, or, yeah John Carpenter had just kind of sp- was speaking to Bob Clark about it and he said like are you, are you going to do a sequel and he said, and Bob Clark said, no, uh, I don't want to. And then John Carpenter said, yeah, what would you, um, if you were going to do a sequel, what would it be? And he <laughs> says, well, Billy's taken to an, a mental institution. And then a few years later, he breaks out and returns home on Halloween and kills a bunch of babysitters. And I would call it Halloween. Um, <laughs> so by Bob, by Bob Clark's <laughs> account anyway. But yeah. yeah, no, he gave him like everything, including the title. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I... I I still think it's weird that like there was a there was a horror film made about Christmas before there was a horror film made about Halloween. Like t- to me, yeah, it'd be like like you know like right we want to we want to do a film set at a specific time of year as a horror film. W- when will we set it? Oh, Halloween. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's strange that it wasn't the name changed as well or something because I I think we joked about it like whenever uh, you had mentioned we're going to do Black Christmas or like it sounds like a black exploitation film but like, <laughs> I was reading earlier that that's apparently the reason they changed the name when it was released 
Like it wasn't called Black Christmas when it was yeah, released? Yeah, it was, no. was it called Silent Night, Deadly Night, or is that a different movie? Uh, yeah, it was, it was called Silent, Silent Night, Evil Night, I think. Yeah, because yeah. they thought the studio thought that people might think it is a black exploitation film. Yeah, exactly. Was that the reasoning? But I don't know how true that is. Well, I've heard that from quite, on, I've heard that from quite a, quite a few sources, and I think even Bob Clark has said that. Um, right. And I don't I don't think it was anything I don't think it was anything racist. I think it was just that black exploitation films were like action films with you know gangsters and guns yeah. and yeah, yeah. So and that that wasn't that wasn't what it was. So I'm, I don't think it was like that racist thing that you told us about the the Blues Brothers. Yeah, um, it's crazy. But yeah, it's had, had a few film, a few titles, and I think it was when it was initially released as Silent Night, Evil Night. I think it didn't do very well, and then it was re-released as Black Christmas. But it was also called Stop Me at one stage. Yeah, and the original script. Wasn't it? Yeah, which, which is yeah. what, which is one of the things that Billy says to Jest on the phone after one of the murders. He kind of whispers, kind of mm-hmm. he whispers, the "Stop me, please stop me." Yeah, which is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm gonna have a fucking sherry, <laughs> like Mrs. Mack. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, the I'm, only criticism. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm just gonna say I'm gonna have a wee sherry as well. I've got. Sorry, it, I think uh, I've got it hidden inside a book in my uh, library. <laughs> God, she had a lot of booze. Like, I know. I, I was gonna like try and keep a tally of it, but it just sort of went. No, I couldn't be bothered. There's way too much. Yeah, it'd be a good drinking game. It was everywhere. <laughs> like there was one in like what do you call the the cistern thing on yeah. the toilet, where that was, and then obviously she'd, one in the book, like you've mentioned. She obviously and... had some in the medicine cabinet as well because she looked for it before, before then going to the cistern. Yeah, and then she finds an empty bottle I love that in bit the as well. uh, cloakroom. And then, like, after she goes missing, because she's murdered, obviously, uh, someone, I think it's the policeman, um, what's his name, John Saxon's character, asks if she, like, was she a drinker or anything? And they go, no, not at all. <laughs> no, no, is, 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 yes. he not, is he not talking about Claire Harrison when he says that? I thought it was your woman. I think oh, I know, because they don't, they don't actually expect uh, your woman, to be the house mother, to be missing, because she says, oh, okay. uh, when you come back, I might not be here, I might be with my sister. Yeah. So, so don't be surprised. Uh, so they, they never go looking for her. Yeah, they're talking about Claire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh-huh. yeah, M- M- Mrs. Max absolutely brilliant. Um, she's so funny, and apparently she was, <laughs> she will, she was modelled on like Bob Clark's aunt, but apparently, like only the, only the drinking thing, he says like not, nothing else about her character, but he, he had an aunt who used to hide booze around the house. She, she must absolutely fucking stink. Um, yeah, that's what I was she's constantly drinking sherry, and people who people who drink a lot, I find, and people who drink behind people's backs and and keep it a secret because they drink too much, they they've absolutely no idea how much they fucking stink. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I suppose that's the thing, though. Even like um, like us, if we were out, you know, at the pub or something, once you you're a bit tipsy or drunk, you really don't realize how much you stink. No, because you're around no, no, no. other drunk people, and you don't notice how much they stink either. Exactly. It's only when you meet a sober person like they'll realize. Like, so. yeah, sometimes when I've like you know, when I've been out drinking and I come back and I'm like with Tamsin and she's just been in the house, you know. Then I come back and I get get close to her and she says, "Oh, you fucking you, you smell like coins." Because <laughs> you, you know the way like al- 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 alcoholics <laughs> have that kind of like metallic, yeah, metallic, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like she must can always smell. Like she must absolutely stink, but. The, there's a really funny bit whenever she's brushing her teeth and she and she uses the sherry as mouthwash. 
<laughs> I suppose it's like Listerine just smells like alcohol though like, yeah I, I, suppose so. I think yeah. I remember someone asking me if I'd been drinking because I used that once like, <laughs> it's just you know the my toy stuff yeah. I was like no <laughs> uh, it's Listerine <laughs> <laughs> but what about Mr. Harrison oh he's I mean like apologies to any Canadians watching but he is so unbelievably Canadian <laughs> Do you know, Mr. Harrison, James Edmund is still alive, and he is, I think he is 99 years old. Holy shit. Wow. And lives in, uh, see, yeah, he lives in, in uh, Montreal. Brilliant. There you go. Yeah, he hasn't been in a lot of films. He was in a few, um, in a few, like, kind of Devil Girl from Mars, and... <laughs> A few other weird things, but not. He's in twenty-four films, oh. so like one every every five years of his life, essentially. He's, but he, he hasn't acted since nineteen eighty-five. He is he, he is really funny. Like whenever he's looking around Claire's room and he sees all the rude posters that Mrs. Max trying to hide, um, and then he <laughs> yeah, says like, really uh, he "says what? Um, this is a very disappointing atmosphere, and I intend to do something about it." <laughs> <laughs> like, couldn't be more Canadian. Um, <laughs> And you really want she puts her hand over the arse. I know, like, <laughs> as if that's actually helping. <laughs> <laughs> I was sure I'd seen him in something else, and I was racking my brains trying to figure out what it was. And I, I didn't want to go to IMDb at first, but then when I went to IMDb, it just plot thickened. But actually, he really looks like, um, you know, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou? Mm-hmm. You know the, uh, the Bond Company stooge? Uh, the no, guy who gets kidnapped by the pirates and Steve and co have to rescue him from the island. And you ask him where he is. He's like he's a real street man, like, and he's just he's along to make sure they don't misbehave. And then um, at some point uh, he gets kidnapped, and they he just turns turns slightly wild. And they ask him where he got something. He's like, I fucking stole it, man. And that's <laughs> that's that's who it is. He really really looks like the guy, but like maybe ten years younger. Um, <laughs> but like he. He 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 is so funny and like um like he I, I do think he is that kind of that kind of Canadian stereotype and you can tell by his accent, but it's also like another um kind of illustration of the fact that like when they were making the film, even though it was set in Canada, because I think like Bob Clark had moved to Canada, um and like, he really really liked it like he loved it there so I think he stayed. Um, said like the people were amazing and he liked the like the culture and the humor and everything so he stayed so that's why I think it was made in Canada it was probably cheaper I suppose as well maybe you know when these kind of incentive things but the the whole way through the film they've basically tried to mask that so they can sell it abroad yeah. you know so it's like it appears like an American yeah. film so Lieutenant Fuller has an American flag on his desk and I think the cop cars are supposed to be American um, yeah and it's it's never mentioned there's a really funny it's never. Sorry. So I was just going to say, it's never mentioned that they're in Toronto, but if you've been to Toronto, um, the, the house they're, they're in is just, like, classic Toronto. There's, a, there's quite a funny bit. Well, it's not obviously funny, but I think they're cutting to... Uh, it's when Peter's in the house, and sort of towards the end of the film, and it cuts towards the police cars, which mm-hmm. is just quite clearly stock footage they find somewhere of police cars, you know, going past on film, and they're just <laughs> yeah. sort of woven it in. Like, they obviously haven't filmed that, like... <laughs> it just it really stuck out. Oh, did you think so? I I, I didn't get that at all from that. I, mean, I just thought it was stock Because yeah. <laughs> I, I suppose like where would they have had access to American police cars in Canada? I suppose but, so. I don't know. 
And yeah. There's yeah. Like a few people wearing Canadian berets and Canadian hats. Oh, was there? And then also, yeah. like the, the, apparently, also the snowmobiles are a big giveaway. I would have thought snowmobiles would have been in America as well, but apparently oh. they were a big yeah. giveaway. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's like the only sort of like, is there any criticisms you have? Like they were, the the ones that I have are quite trivial, like, but they're not not big ones. Um, the one bit that really annoyed me is it was sort of it's when they discovered that the thirteen year old old girl's been murdered. And they do that whole search party thing with the megaphone. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hear what the guy was saying because the dogs were barking constantly. Oh, yeah. That's all <laughs> I could hear. It's like, the girl, the girl who discovers the body, actually, her scream is obviously just like, um, uh, is obviously just sampled and repeated because it's like, ah, 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 ah. it's the same thing just over and over again on a loop. And uh, it's, um, yeah, that, that, that's like, you know, it made it up, but I mean, it's, it's not. Yeah. Not a big deal. Like. It, it took them ages to actually say that someone had been killed. Yeah, yeah. Because like it was just loads of people going, "What's going on over there?" And then it would cut to someone else, like you know, looking over, and yeah. then another person looking over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and also like that thing where like Mr. You know, Mr. Harrison can obviously see the the body of the young girl, and he sees the the young girl's mother running over, and he moves out of the way to let her have a closer look. Jesus Christ, mate. Yeah. What you're supposed to do in that situation is go and hug her, tell her what's happened, and don't let her see the fucking body. Isn't that what, yeah. isn't that what you're supposed to do? You're not supposed to go, oh, I'll just move out of the I way just... so you can see your 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 murdered body in the your murdered daughter's body in the park, yeah. eh? You're not supposed to, like, drag the body away so she doesn't see it. <laughs> Start mutilating it so she can't recognise it. <laughs> don't look yet. <laughs> But yeah, uh, we were talking about Mrs. Uh, Mack. Sorry, we were talking about Mrs. Mack there, and um, I've I've got a funny clip of her um, talking to Mr. Harrison, and then being in the uh, the bathroom whenever she's getting ready to go, and she's complaining about Mr. Harrison and stuff. So we will take a wee pee break and and listen to that. Go, nice one, sure. lads. I didn't send my daughter here to be drinking and picking up boys. Tough shit. Supposed to be responsible. Look at the morals of every girl in this goddamn house. These broads. The leaning tower of Pisa, if they can get up there. I do my best. I don't know what the bastards expect of me. Christ's sake. Claude? Is that you, Claudie Kins? What was the cat called? <laughs> Are you being sarcastic? <laughs> oh yeah, I wasn't really listening to it there. Sorry. Was... Oh, Claude. 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 Yeah. I thought you were joking. <laughs> no, I thought you were being sarcastic. I'm sorry. No, I was. I was <laughs> reading like... something online. There. All right. Okay. Sort of zoned out. <laughs> um. Yeah. So we we only ever really see Claude once. I think. 
um, and it's whenever Claire finds her in the room just before she gets killed. Yeah. But then whenever um, whenever Claude, whenever Claire does get killed and her and her body's in the in the attic, um, apparently that was just like an actual. It was like a complete coincidence that um, the cat jumped on her lap, and it was just a. It's just a case of of the actor who plays Claire's. Um, realization that this was a great shot. She she kept completely still. They kept the camera rolling, and then the, and then the cat goes up and licks her face. That was like obviously just completely unintentional and just spur of the moment. But I mean, what a great yeah. shot that is! You know, like the the the, yeah. the dead body and then the fucking cat licking the face. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I had wondered if if Claude was actually dead at that point, but um, okay. <laughs> so did anybody else get the uh, "Don't Go in the House" sort of vibe from it a bit? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm, no, not at all. I sort of thought more style-wise. I kind of got like I, I really liked the way "Don't Go in the House" was shot and stuff, and just the, the I think it's because maybe I'm wrong, but did I remember that there was like a was there close-up of the victims' faces in that film? In "Don't Go in the House," I think so. Yeah, I think so. Afterwards, yeah. um, but obviously they were like burnt horrendously and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Um, just, I think that's what I remember from it, or maybe it's the the weird bit with the mannequins and stuff. I think no, there was there's something general about the the sort of calm atmosphere that then leads to disease that yeah. or unease that um, that sort of reminded me of Don't Go in the House, and um, even actually the working title um, I forgot it. Stop me, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was, uh, like I mean I, I kind of think it's a shit title, but like it sort of reminded me of Don't Go in the House. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe also the physical layout of the house as well, you know, because like don't 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 go in the Maybe, house. It's yeah. a kind of similar exterior and a similar interior as well. It's kind of almost you know labyrinthine, and I think the house in Black in Black yeah. Christmas is like that. You know, like that the house becomes like a character, and that's a cliche, but the house becomes a character in itself, and I think it does that in in um, in Don't Go in the House as well. Yeah, um, and actually, just even like the sort of psychological build up to everything, and like the the fact I don't know, it's just the almost the sort of Hitchcockian sort of element to it. It's not, it's not quite Hitchcock. It's a bit more brutal than Hitchcock, but. Uh. Hmm. But I definitely got um, from Barb's death as well. I heard that the particular scene where she's murdered, I got the sort of Argento vibe a bit. Hmm. I don't know if you guys did. Yeah, just like, I, I sort of kind of felt like that a bit. With the glass, this was a, all the, the crystal, you know, yeah. birds and everything. Yeah, definitely. Maybe that's just the bird with the crystal plumage or whatever maybe that name's just like in my head well actually though it it, it did there was something like because it seems so clean and so like cold or something like and it's not a traditional like it's it's not obviously a weapon you know and it just seems so and there was all the dark in the background you know yeah. everything else like uh it sort of framed it really well i thought like it was a really nicely shot scene i thought for someone yeah. being murdered obviously but like and I, I mean, all all that was missing was like a pair of black gloves. Really, I love that scene because it's 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 kind of juxtaposes that killing with Jess outside watching the Carol Singers. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. that was singing, good. Um, <laughs> oh come all ye faithful, isn't it? They're singing. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's just it's just brilliant the way they kind of do that. It's just like they they actually meet they manage to make Christmas carols really really haunting because like the, the, the Silent Night at the start. I mean, Silent Night is a, a, a beautiful song. Um, mm-hmm. And it's um, it's it's when when you hear it sung in a church on Christmas morning, it's 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 relaxing and it's 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 warm, but they they, they somehow managed to make it seem really um, 
uh, chilling and just eerie. And they do it a few other times that you, you don't really notice the first time you see the film, but in the background, they've got some kind of weird chime thing going on, and it's kind of chiming out Christmas songs and like a kind of like a, almost like a church bell kind of sound. But like the the notes are just like some of the notes are just very slightly off key, maybe like you know like a quarter tone out, and it just gives it this kind of yeah. weird yeah. dissonance, you know. But so I suppose it's probably a good time to talk about the uh, the, the music and um, Carl Carl Zitterer, I think was the guy's name. Yeah, who wrote the um, the music and a lot of the, uh, the 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 soundtrack is like he apparently tied different things to the to his piano, like forks and stuff, tied them to his piano strings. And oh, yeah. he played, played it through that, and like apparently he he applied pressure on the tape when it was recording, so it would record slower. Okay, you know than it's supposed to be, right. and that's uh, and okay. then I think like Bob Clark kind of points out that like he kind of makes um like they kind of make so- sound out of they kind of make like a soundtrack out of the background noises that you hear. So there's like dogs barking in the background. Whenever Claire Harrison gets murdered, you can hear the clock ticking. You know, and like apart from the Christmas carols, like there isn't any theme music. You know, like like the the, the closing the closing credits play out over a, a, an old phone ringing, and yeah. it's it's just it's just one of those films. It's just the, the sound is absolutely phenomenal. I think it's just it's just brilliant. It's, yeah, it's it almost is, like Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre. What what do you call it? There's a there is a style of music where they would like pour bolts and stuff into pianos and. It, was, it must have been some sort of like offshoot of Dadaism. So it's actually the, the, the destroying of the piano is almost sort of Dadaist as well. Like, yeah. But uh, there's I can't remember what uh, what it's called. It was, I, I don't know. I'm not going to find an IMDb. Like a really um, in- interesting film to watch is um, the film Bob Bob Clark made before Black Christmas. It's called uh, Dead of Night. It's also called Death Dream. I think. Um, have you guys seen that? No. Um, I haven't I heard of it. He 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 made it with another guy. Like the the co-producer or, or the writer or something from who Black Christmas and Carl Zitterer also did the score. It's it's a brilliant film. It's like um kind of it's it was made in nineteen seventy two, so it's like a kind of Vietnam commentary. Basically, um this guy this young guy is is off fighting in Vietnam, um and the film opens with him getting shot and killed. Um but as he's dying, you can kind of hear his mother's um words, obviously what she said before he left, and it's like saying like like you can't die, don't die, please don't die, and then um, the film starts with them getting their uh, uh, you know the letter from the military saying you know your son has been killed in action, but then like later that night he he turns up and he arrives at the door, <laughs> and you kind of slowly work out that he that he's a, that he's a vampire, and that, right. that's how he survived, <laughs> and he starts killing people. It's a bit like Martin. Did you ever see uh, that George Romero film Martin? Was that a it was like a kind of I, no, I haven't. I haven't. No. I can't remember if I have. I, I, I think I've maybe is, I've heard about it, but I don't think I've actually seen it. It was yeah. a bit like that, but like a few years before Martin came out, um, and yeah. it is just unbe- an unbelievable film. It completely, utterly enthralling. You just, it's just ludicrously good. Yeah. Um, and Car- Carl Zitterer does does the music for that as well, and it's actually really, really similar. He does the same thing. He uses kind of like atonal sound effects, you know, in place of actual music. And um, there's like brilliant kind of scanning POV shots of the house that they live in, and um, various other things that really, really remind you of Black Christmas. Um, it's, it's actually worth going and see, seeing the film, even even for that alone. 
other than the fact that it's it's a phenomenally phenomenally good film it's like it's it's got that it's obviously like a, a complete allegory you know it's supposed to be um this this is what the vietnam war did to, to families because he, he, he comes home and he's not the same he's not talking to anyone uh, he just he stays in his room all the time and it's obviously supposed to be kind of like a, a um allegory of you know like um what do you call it like post-traumatic stress yeah yeah post-traumatic stress um, and he starts. He starts kind of, you know, like having to go out at night and and you know kill people to drink their blood and stuff. Um, that sounds brilliant, actually. Yeah, it's really, really yeah. good. It, it, it's on YouTube. So yeah, cool. Okay. Um, did um, he didn't um, did Bob Clark? He didn't really go on to bigger and bigger things, did he? He doesn't seem to. Have. No, it's uh, it seems like a shame because he certainly knows how to make a film. Yeah, but the. Uh, um, I, I think I've only seen Black Christmas and then that one he made after A Christmas Story seems to be quite the juxtaposition like that No D, you, you've also seen um, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things That's right D Have I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Children Shouldn't Play With Did we do that? <laughs> we watched, you and I, I watched know, that in it, you and I watched that in Glasgow Children shouldn't play with dead things. Yeah, you, you and I watched it in Glasgow. I, I was in, living in Glasgow at the time, and you came over to visit me. And it was the Saturday night, and we were hungover, and I had just got it on DVD, and we watched it. And that's a blog, blog park film. Um, it's about. I don't know if I can remember that. These um, guys, these kind of students, and are kind of led by their mate. I think he's called Orville, and he he leads them out, and they dig up a corpse, and they do this kind of. It's, it's kind of supposed to be quite funny. Um, they dig up this corpse, and they do like black magic on him. To, you know, just for the crack, basically, and then obviously it's a bit of a slow burner. But then obviously, like the last half hour of the film, zombies do actually rise out of the graves and start attacking people. I love being that you you have a sort of encyclopedic. Well, you have a, like a photographic memory for everywhere you've been when you've seen a film, but also <laughs> you know what, what film you've seen as well. <laughs> it's like I've, I've, I've been quite a few occasions where you've been like, "Dude, you have seen this. You have." <laughs> You saw it. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, I've got a very vague, vague memory now that you mention it, but I can't remember it very well at all. I know. I can't um, even remember about probably 30% of the films that I've seen now. Okay. <laughs> sure, sure to go. I can do it. For some reason, I can do it. When I'm in the cinema, I'll always remember what film I've been to see someone with. But like things I've watched in houses, I never remember or seen at home. Yeah, or whatever. I mean, like who could you know who can keep track? I mean, like I, I think I've only ever really seen that once, and maybe once again since. Um, it it uh, didn't really leave that much of an impression on me, and this was when I was going through my zombie phase. Or me, apparently. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, it's it's a real, real slow burner. It don't, from memory, it does take ages before you actually see any zombies. Is that his first film, though? I don't think so. I don't think it was his, I think it maybe his first horror film, but it's brilliant. I mean, because you know, like he was kind of making horror films in the the, the earlier half of the of the nineteen seventies, and basically anyone who makes like more than more than one good film in the earlier half of the more than one good horror film in the early half of the oh, of the seventies is a legend. I think. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm looking up his filmography. Um, apparently, he was responsible for Porky's. Yeah. Oh, really? It was quite. It was quite big, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, I've it was Porky. massive. Yeah, and Porky's two, and yeah, and Porky's two. And according to this, do you remember? Do you remember the TV series Fudge? Yes. <laughs> really? Supposedly, he was behind that. 
I actually I didn't look up Bob Clark. I don't know why, but uh, I I, I read somewhere that, <laughs> that that there was some link between um, Black Christmas and a and a fucking phenomenal film called Let's Jessica to Death. I've seen that. It's a good film. 1971, yeah, the one that's kind of like the um, friends move into a, a new house out in the country and this weird, yeah. a- attractive woman turns up. Is that the film you're yeah. thinking of? Yeah. I mean, it is just absolutely phenomenal. When I was researching this, it was like someone who'd worked on Black Christmas also had a hand in that, and it doesn't surprise me because Let's Scare Jessica to Death is ludicrously good. It's actually insultingly good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> think I'll ever pick it someday? Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, he directed one episode of Fudge. That's nuts. Yeah, it was the pilot, wasn't it? And also, a, uh, he directed he directed an episode of The Karate Dog, <laughs> which was a TV series. I mean, the, the weird thing between, like, Porky's and... And, like, Black Christmas. Like, Black Christmas, he was trying to portray students as being intelligent and stuff. And then, like... Uh, seven years later, he's making fucking Porky's. Like, good point. <laughs> uh, oh, Porky's is high school, isn't it? But uh, nonetheless, yeah. good point. Is Porky's the one with the food fight? So that's famous. Maybe for, I can't I remember. It might it, it, it Animal House and Revenge of the Nerds all sort of blend into one. But yeah, like it, it is weird how someone can make like you know because um, like the, of the three films that I've seen, they get better chronologically. So children should children shouldn't play with dead things. Of the three I've seen, is the weakest. The Dead of Nights, the second best, and then Black Christmas is easily the best of them all. Um, fudge, and then Fudge, <laughs> and then Karate Dog. Uh, well, no, no, it's, it's, Karate Dog was the most recent one, so that was his. Big, uh, yeah, yeah. It yeah. is kind of weird. And then he went to, immediately downhill and directed Super Babies, Baby Geniuses Two, <laughs> and then died. Um. But yeah, I mean, yeah. like the the other actors, some of them went on to do good stuff. Um, Keir Delea had al- had already been in um, two thousand and one Space Odyssey. So yeah, I was I, I thought I recognised him. He looked so familiar, and I just couldn't place yeah. it at the time. And then I looked that up, and I was like, oh, and then okay. Margot Kidder obviously went on to recently. to be uh, Lois Lane in yeah. the, uh, Christopher Reeve yeah. Superman's. Didn't she? Uh, Olivia Hussey. Don't think she did very much. I think. Yeah, I looked her up. I thought I'd seen her in something, but um, maybe I, I can't. I can't remember. Um, anyway. And then the girl who plays Phil, by all accounts. It was like, Death in the Nile. Sorry, that was it. Yeah, it wasn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, but the, the the girl who plays Phil, she went on to star in some TV entertainment show or something. I've heard people talking about it online called like ESTV or something. Apparently, she was like a presenter for years and is really well known. No. Right. She, she she actually yeah. plays she actually plays Mrs. Mack in the um in the uh, remake in the two thousand six remake. Oh, Olivia Hussey's John? in it. Actually. Olivia Hussey's what? It is what? It's in it. Stephen King's it. Oh yeah, that's right. She is um like you know like the main guy like the writer guy. He's supposed to be Stephen King. She's his yeah. wife. Oh okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say to play. <laughs> <She's> <laughs> Yeah. No, she's his wife. Whenever he comes down the stairs and says, "Oh, I have to go," you know, you wouldn't understand. I have to go back to Derry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, it's... your man, um, John Saxon, seems to have had a decent career. 
He's been in loads of stuff. Yeah, the, the first thing I ever saw him in was um, Enter the Dragon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. From that, the Bruce Lee film. Um, yeah. And yeah. then... Oh, yeah, Beverly well, Hills Cop 3. <laughs> what was he in? Beverly Hills Cop 3. <laughs> <laughs> is it the one in the theme park? <laughs> yes, it is, yeah. Brilliant one. I love that um, He was <laughs> also in Cannibal Apocalypse. Um, and he was also in... Yeah, so I think I've, I've said this in another podcast. Re- really, kind of bit of interesting trivia is that Black Christmas is considered the first the first slasher film, and he's in that. And Mario Bava's The Girl Who Knew Too Much is considered the first Giallo film, and he's in that as well. So, considering yeah. how the the Giallo influenced the slasher, it's interesting that the first Giallo and the first slasher both feature John Saxon. Yeah, yeah. a bit of cool. weird bit of trivia. Tenebrae as well. Is John Saxon in Tenebrae? According to Wikipedia, yeah, that actually, look it up just to see what character he is. No, it, it actually sounds familiar. Now that you're saying you're saying that, but yeah, yeah. So um, he was like brought in at the last minute because the guy who was supposed—I can't remember the guy's name—who was supposed to play that part, but he was um, a really famous and respected actor, and they got him in. It was like two days before filming, and they got him in to do his wardrobe and everything. Yeah, and. Uh, like the, the uh, co-producer, I can't remember his name. He's an he's an English guy. Um, him and another guy, potentially Bob Clark, bought him to this restaurant where they were going to kind of discuss the film and you know kind of take taking taking him out because he's a respected actor. <laughs> but the um, the guy, it's stupid that I can't remember his name. But the the, the actor was um, he said something like he got up at one point dur- during the dinner and said, um, "Sorry, I, I hope you excuse me. I I I have to go up to my room." And they said, "But we're not we're not in a hotel." And he's like, "Oh no, but you know, like I I I, I, I just have to go up to my room, you know. I, I hope you excuse me." And it's like, "But you're not you're not actually in a hotel, you know." And then they they realized that it was like an, an early onset of Alzheimer's, right? Oh shit! Oh shit! So they so they took him back to to his hotel, and um, the guy uh, Jerry R Jerry R Bead Jerry R Bide. Um, English guy. He was the co-producer. He was, he was like in his early twenties at the time, and he had to go into the hotel room and tell this like established actor that that didn't use him. And obviously that would be a horrendous thing to do. So then the guy sort of saying, "Oh no, no, like you know, like I'll be fine, I'll be fine, you know, I'll, like I'll, I'll I'll be able to do it." And they just had to basically say, "No, like you, like you can't even, you don't even know where you are." And apparently the guy burst into tears. Oh my god, it's terrible. Uh. I know. Um. And so then they rang John Saxon's agent, and he said yes. And like that day, he got on a flight to to Toronto. But apparently, apparently, if he if John Saxon wasn't available, they they were going to pull the plug on the whole thing. Jesus, oh. Jesus, yeah. Well, that's sad and disturbing. I know. So then Sa- Saxon arrived, and um, I think he was straight on the set. And the first the first scene he shot is the um, the uh, uh, search party scene. Where he's talking through the uh, tannoy, and right. he can't hear him. Yeah, and he can't hear him. Yeah, Saxon. <laughs> 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 uh, apparently, his character in Tenebrae was called uh, Bulmer. Don't know if that rings any bells. Ludicrous! I can't believe I can't remember him. It's, it's obviously must be ages since I've seen Tenebrae. Then, obviously, don't know it as well as I thought I did. You want to give like a talk on Tenebrae at a screening or something, like an introduction? That was part of the Crystal Plumage. Oh right. Uh, it was when the film door people were doing. <laughs> They were doing Bird of Crystal Plumage and then Barbarian Sound Studio. Oh, yeah, yeah. And because uh, I knew the girl who did it, she said, do you want to come and talk about the films beforehand? 
If it had been to Bray, you wouldn't have been able to do it. I would have been shocked. Yeah. I would have been shocked. You don't, don't know who John Saxon's mm-hmm. character Nobody would have put their hand up and nobody would take a John Saxon and you would cry. Shit. <laughs> you go, what? <laughs> the one thing I, the one thing I didn't know. <laughs> You're going, oh, i, I got to go to my room. <laughs> it's like Ian you're in the black box <laughs> the uh, guy just, just quickly the uh, guy the English guy the co-producer he is the taxi driver who arrives at the door when Mrs. Mack is getting taken ages oh okay uh, he was the original he was going to be Saxon so they no 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 the the, 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 the co-producer guy who went in and had to tell the actor oh yeah, right. the 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 co-producer plays the taxi driver. Right. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, but who? Yeah. So, so who was the actor? You you don't, don't remember his name now. Uh, uh, it's bound to be somewhere. It's probably in my IMDb notes. Um, I have a feeling is is might have had a, an Irish surname like O'Brien or something. Yeah. But yeah, not not somebody we're probably familiar with. Like. Well, um, you guys maybe. Apparently, he was a really distinguished. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Uh, the role of Lieutenant Fuller was originally supposed to be played by Edmund O'Brien. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Is O'Brien? O'Brien? Um, B-R-I-E-N. O'Brien? Is that it? Uh, I've got O'Brien. Edmund O'Brien came up on Google. I would have pronounced that O'Brien. No, O'Brien. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's in a wild bunch. And, oh, the manager of Liberty Valance. Jeez, he's in loads of stuff. Yeah, so there you go. I've uh, seen that. Actually, Jesus, he's... Oh, no. He's scheduled to be in The Other Side of the Wind uh, in 2016, but playing Pat, but uh, I assume he's dead. Yeah, he died in 1985. So. Uh, I was shocked to find out uh, Kirk Douglas is still alive. Yeah. He's like 99 as well. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. His birth, I think it was it was his birthday recently enough. So. See, I'm looking up this guy as if I know... I, I, I've seen, uh, yeah, I've seen the Birdman of Alcatraz. He's in that as well. Yeah, that's a good one. He's in Fantastic yeah, Voyage. Oh, was um, that, is, is that the film where the guy's in prison and he makes friends with a bird? Yeah, yeah. it's really good. Oh, yeah, that's it's a really, really good, good film. What, like, does he play the, the, the uh, inmate? He must do. Uh, yeah, he's in loads of ways. He's in 1984. No, it's Bert Lancaster. Is the... He plays Winston Smith in, in um, 1984. Was this in the BBC version? Or? Uh, oh no, there was like... There, yeah, 1956 uh, adaptation. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen that. I've heard it's no, quite no, good no. though. Uh, he's fucking loads of stuff. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> I was going to say, like, what what happened to Margot Kidder? Like, cause I would have thought Superman would have sort of propelled her to fame. And I know she it, had, like, Mental issues. Yeah, yeah. I sure. think I'm not sure that that sort of like re- like stopped her career, basically. But um, hmm. she suffers from manic depression. Apparently, she goes to like she has episodes, and there was a highly publicized one where she went missing and turned up in someone's garden, like right. just some member of the public's garden, and it's a bit like you know what the media is like. Yeah, yeah. the apparatus and stuff—they just made you know fun of this. It's even like referenced in Family Guy. Yeah, yeah, quite, that's right. Kind of mean, like, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I think she said because I was reading a review recently, and or not a review, sorry, an interview with her, and she said she hasn't had an episode in a long time. She's doing quite well these days. Yeah, so, but like, I don't know. I guess you're maybe Superman ruined her career in a way. I don't know. Yeah, uh, typecast, typecast. Yeah, 
she's brilliant at Black Christmas, like, isn't she? Yeah, she is. Yes. I I just kind of wonder whether yeah. or not the the um whether the humor is dated somewhat because the issue thing isn't funny, and then her saying about the tur- the tur- turtles having sex for three consecutive days isn't funny. Yeah, um, no, I, I kind of got the feeling that wasn't supposed to be funny though. Yeah, but yeah, but Phil, Phil is kind of smirking whenever she says that. You know, she's kind of laughing, kind of, kind of stifle her laugh, which made me think that it is supposed to be funny, mm-hmm. but it's not funny. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I, I thought she was just doing it to be a dick, really. Everybody kind of felt awkward, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting thing she yeah. says, actually, where she says, like, um, y- you guys all think it's my fault, you've been you've been implying it all day. He says that to Mrs. Mack. Like, do you think that's all in her head, or do you think maybe Mrs. Mack has been kind of making wee, wee snidey comments? Oh, I thought it was just in her head, and she sort of sees herself as a bit of a victim as well. But, like, she wants attention. I, I, th- I thought that she was quite good at constructing that character. Yeah. Like, she's got a lot yeah. of issues, sort of thing, and, like, because... There's the reference you said, Ian, to her mum, and there's a difficult relationship there. And I think she's just sort of crying out for attention, mm. the character. And maybe brings it to herself the wrong way, and then when she does that, she thinks that she's the victim. I mean, it's interesting because like, I, I, watched the, um, I watched the remake, and I think it was actually made at the time anyway, when they were in, during production, it had Bob Clark's blessing. Oh, yeah? Um, I don't know what he kind of subsequently thought of it. Once he actually saw the finished product, but there's a girl in that who who drinks like a lot. She's kind of sitting, you know, getting wrecked, and she does like a does a shot of tequila and chases it down with a glass of red wine and stuff. But it's just done so shitly that you just think it's just done so like clumsily and just so yeah. you just think like you know Margot Kidder kind of plays the the kind of the 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 drunk student really really well, and then. You know the the characters in, the, in, that, in that film are just so forgettable, just so homogenous, just it's just so boring, and and they ruin the whole thing with um, uh, like explaining um, explaining the, the, the backstory of Billy. They kind of do the, keep doing flashbacks between all the diff- between Billy growing up and the girls in the house now, and uh, it's just it's just just so so shit. Yeah, because you, you can imagine, you know, like trying to trying to remake Black Christmas for a mainstream horror audience is obviously going to be shit, but yeah. it's, it's just crap. Yeah. Like, Although it's a lot more violent, there's, there's actually quite a few, quite a lot of gory kind of eye deaths and stuff like that. Right. Kind of like, okay. kind of, yeah. But um, I, I think that's, but that's a good sort of example of how good the the first one is. Sorry, like uh, the the original Black Christmas, and it didn't need violent deaths on screen. You got yeah. the idea of what was happening. Like you know, even the bit where um, what do you call the matron woman, Mrs. Mack again. Yeah, where she climbs up into the attic, like that's it's quite it's pretty brutal, but you just you don't see it though, you know. You just, it's implied that you know she gets this big hook in the face, like, but it's um, but you don't need all this on screen. <laughs> but it is it's 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 really well done, I thought. Like, yeah. whereas modern films tend to go for as much gore as possible, whereas yeah. I don't think that's the particularly frightening part of horror films. No, uh, definitely not. I I tend to see most deaths in horror films is that's pretty forgettable you know I mean once you've seen violence you've seen violence you know I mean you, you can see yeah. horrendous violence but actually I I try to tend, I, I probably maybe like maybe as a defense mechanism or something try not to absorb it you know or try to not absorb it because it I don't know I don't really like seeing like gore can can be effective but it's it's not the reason I really watch movies like this it's um, 
it's more I don't know more just general atmosphere you know that's that's what... does it sound that those well I mean I quite like really well done special effects like you know if it's even yeah, the original like uh, yeah yeah like Dawn of the Dead and stuff when people are being torn apart and things like that yeah. um, I, but I, I think it's more that that looks really cool where you can tell when people are just doing it for the sake of it like yeah just throwing buckets of blood around the screen which mm. seems to be quite a modern thing I think. yeah and actually there's I think there's a lot to be said for let's see what we can do with the, the sort of the limited limited sort of technology and stuff they had yeah. with like the Dead or Cannibal Holocaust or Friday the 13th or whatever yeah. and but now that it's like we can do anything then like what's the fucking point like yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly and, and I think I mean a really good case in point is the um Splinter in the eyeball scene in zombie zombie flesh eaters. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> like that's just completely mechanical. It's it's all just complete, completely constructed. You know, uh, and the, the yeah. camera doesn't pull away, so they show you everything. And there's like a there's almost like a kind of charm to that once you kind of get past how upsetting and grotesque it is. Um, there's a kind of charm to that, where it's just this um kind of modern thing, you know, um of like. I don't know something like Hostel or something like that, or or Saw. Yeah. It's just kind of like, yeah, okay. So there's another person, you know, having to make a really, having to have a really horrendous, <laughs> right? Green, yeah. You know, have you ever seen the Jenna Jenna Yeah. Uh, uh, well, and Dali movie, and it's you, you know the Pixie song to Baser. Uh, yeah. Slicing up, got me a movie. Slicing up eyeballs. Uh, that's uh, uh, I mean Shen and It's where that that comes from. Um, there's like a scene where. Uh, there's an eyeball, like a close-up of an eyeball, and somebody holding the eyeball, and then like you see a cutthroat razor coming closer and closer and closer to the eyeball, and it goes to slice it, and then it cuts to like a shot of the moon, and fast cloud cutting over the moon, and you think, oh, well, that's that's quite powerful symbolism, and then it cuts back to the eyeball, and the, the razor slices across the eyeball after all, and it's like, fuck! <laughs> Amazing. Yeah so, they, yeah, so they kind of tricked you. Yeah. But actually... And then there's another scene with the priest being eaten by pianos. Is it like enjoyable though? I mean, like, it, or does it get kind of tedious? <laughs> it's it, it's it's kind of it's kind of good, but it's quite short. It's only like fifteen minutes tops, ten minutes. Oh, okay. um, but it's uh, it, it, it's more like good fun. It, it's not like it kind is of, it about fascism? I imagine so. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's maybe what the thing with the piano with the priests. But who knows? It kind of reminds me of the story of um, whenever whenever. Um, uh, Lucio Fulci's uh, New York Ripper was submitted to the BBFC for the first time and um, one of the examiners was kind of talking about this recently and saying um, like that film is absolutely horrendous in terms especially in terms of like violence against women um, okay. like uh, kind of you know beautiful women naked being completely and utterly mutilated and like eyeball violence and like violence on you know against like their breasts and stuff <laughs> I just say that, like, I have to see that on the cover contains eyeball violence, <laughs> <laughs> and they they kind of like, um, I think it was like the, the the panel who were who were examining it. I think it was maybe like three quarters women, so maybe three out of four examiners were women, and apparently, like, um, once they finished watching it, because they obviously watched the uncut version because it was the BBFC, um, mm-hmm. most of them were completely and utterly silent, but there were like two women in the corner just weeping, like sobbing quietly uh, because yeah. they just couldn't believe that they said it was the, the, the most disgusting film they'd ever seen. Yeah. Oh. Richard Fulci is pretty yeah, pretty misogynist like. Definitely, yeah. Probably, yeah. I haven't seen that but uh. I mean I, th- I think like 
Fulci gets away with with violence when it's something kind of cartoonish or something kind of quite gothic, like you know, House by the Cemetery or The Beyond. Yeah. But whenever it's just like a kind of yeah. street, a straight up giallo, when it's kind of depicted in kind of realist terms, that's when it gets very, yeah. really, really, really upsetting. I think. So I was going to say, what was the reaction like to, like I spit in your grave or something? I can't remember. I think it's actually there's actually a really good case study of that on the uh, BBFC website, but um, it's basically uh, I, I I can't remember exactly, but I'm I'm pretty pretty confident it was it was kind of refused classification outright, um, and then oh, okay. obviously ended up on 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 VHS before the Video Recordings Act, and then just through the years it's been resubmitted, and each time it gets more um, it, it gets more uh, running time. Um, as the kind of yeah. laws are relaxed, but I th- I think now the the version that's out now has left all the violence against the rapists in, and the only stuff that yeah. they've cut is anything which appears to linger on or um s- sexualize rape. I think right. And a- a- anything anything that shows a man enjoying anything that shows the male characters enjoying the rape, or anything that dwells upon Jennifer's youthful beauty. I think is the way they put it in the in the notes. Okay, sort of. I, I still like as horrible as that film is. I still kind of vehemently disagree with you know with censorship. Yeah. I just think it should be released as, as as horrible as it might be. Yeah, you know, like we're we're adults, like we should be able to form our own judgments on these things. Yeah. So I don't, I don't like. I, obviously, I think this should be rated in some way for you know age groups, but I like. Like, what's the point of like banning something? I just don't understand it for adults yeah. that can make up their own minds. And... I like, yeah. I like just, the American yeah. system, where whereby like the, the the MPAA, like like you don't have to submit a film to the MPAA to have it released, but all the all the major studios do, and all the major cinemas will only show MPAA rated films, and that's fine. Yeah. So, so if you're a parent and you take your children to yeah. the Odeon. In America, I don't know if they have the Odeon, but you know what I mean. If you take your children to the, a major cinema in, in America, yeah. you know that everything has been everything has been approved by the government appointed that censorship is, yeah. body. But if you don't if you don't like censorship, then just buy an unrated film and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, suppose, I think like the, there seems to be maybe I'm stereotyping a bit, but like Americans are very uptight about any sort of freedom of speech being curtailed. Yeah, uh, which I think is probably a good thing in the end. Like, whereas I think yeah. in England, or the UK, and Ireland, it's not, you know, because there is more onus on censorship, like you know, in our culture. Yeah, especially with well, obviously the video nasties and everything, and the video yeah. recordings act. Even. I, th- I think you're right. Like, I, th- I think it comes down to that kind of American kind of free market libertarian ideal. You know, like I, I, d- I don't want the government telling me that I can't fuck o- fuck over other people to make loads of money. I don't want the government telling me that I can't see a film. <laughs> Yeah, it's just strange thing. Like, I mean, it, it seems like we're still left with a pretty archaic. Like, literature has has been unclass, like you know, unclassified for what, like, fifty, sixty years now. You know, so why why not film? You know, I mean, like, because obviously I, I work in a bookshop, and I always wondered what would happen if some like young kid came in and like tried to buy an erotic novel. It, it never really happens, but like. That there, as far as I'm aware, there's no law against that, you know. But um, if I worked in a video shop, if I worked in a video shop, I'd be working in fucking 1999 or something. But I mean, if I worked in a video shop uh, and some kid came in and bought like porno, um, I could go to jail, you know. It's I, yeah, I, I, I don't mean, because because like obviously like because we have the uh, the classification system like for, like for videos now, um, and so like the R18 
certification means that you can only sell that or rent that in your shop if you have a sex license. Yeah. Like, does that also apply to like, like pornographic film or pornographic um, books or pornographic like magazines? Like, what, 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 um, what about porn magazines? Do you have to have a, do you have to have like a sex license to to I sell don't know. those? Yeah, I'm not sure. But there is a rule that they have to be on the top shelf, though, isn't it? I think that's a thing. And it's not just that the they happen covered. to be there. And, uh, like covered. everything but the title covered, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, even like being in, because I work, obviously I work in the theatre at the minute, like there's no, there's no, you know, rating system for plays. Yeah. So it's the same sort of thing. Like, um, there's, like there's a play on at the minute that's it's it's not too bad or anything, but there's a bit of swearing in it. Yeah. So I think they've said to us, like, if anybody asks, just say it's aimed at like fifteen and older. But that's not a rule. That's just like a recommendation. Yeah, because like there so, are like yeah. there are obviously plays that like have nudity and rape and violence and swear words and things like that. So Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, I mean, like, what's the difference between seeing it, seeing it live and seeing it through the medium of a film, you know? But, like, are you, are you like, if, if there's a film that has a, a, a rape scene in it, are you are you legally entitled to bring your six-year-old son to see that? I'm not sure. I don't know if, if you... I sort of think that you're allowed to watch... You're allowed to let your kids watch 18 films if they're under if they're under your supervision, but I'm not sure what it's like in cinema. Cinema's probably a policy where they, they're not allowed... They won't let you. Yeah, well, that's that's what the no, um, we, that's we, what the twelve uh, A rating is because it only exists in cinemas. Twelve yeah. A is if you're, oh, yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. under twelve, yeah. as long as you've got an adult with you, isn't it? Yeah. I well, think whenever so, yeah. I worked, like when I worked in the Odeon, um, we had a few times. I remember one of them was for it was that film. Was it Bruno? It's you know Borat. It was the one after yeah. that. <laughs> Um, it was that this guy maintained that he could bring his son in, who was thirteen. It was like an eighteen or something. Yeah. But uh, he maintained that he could bring him in because he was, you know, his guardian, I guess, and he could decide. But he couldn't because, like, it's a uh, it's a private it's a private building, private like company. Yeah. So yeah. we would be prosecuted if we were caught, and you you would like if someone does catch you, you'll be prosecuted. Right. Because you know, it's part of the law. You know, we'd yeah. be exposing minors to. You know, harmful material, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I remember um, when I worked in HMV, we got the training video, we got, and we got the BBFC training video. You know about, you know why, why, the, why the why the classification exists and how if you sell something to a minor, you'll be fined and arrested and get a criminal record and stuff. Yeah, yeah, end up in sex offender registry. But yeah, I, mean, I think the, like, the 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 only thing that would 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 really um, worry censors. In 1974, in Canada, uh, would be the um, obscenities. Um, whenever they're okay. in, in the phone calls, wouldn't it? Like the expletives and the fact that he uses the word "cunt." Yeah, yeah, is yeah. ridiculous. The fact that he says stuff like uh, "suck my juicy cock." Um, I want to, I want to lick your pretty pink <laughs> cunt. I mean, Jesus Christ! Like that's like 1974. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how, how did they get away with, with saying "cunt"? <laughs> Yeah, I actually quite liked the characters' reactions to that though, because they genuinely seemed upset, shocked. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I thought the, the the scene was done pretty well when he used that language. Whenever oh, whenever they were filming it, obviously they're not actually making a phone call; they're just like a dead phone. But Bob Clark was was off 
off at the side, reading, reading, <laughs> reading the stuff. But apparently, the stuff he was reading was <laughs> was actually okay. It was it wasn't too bad. It was just oh really, like, oh, really? It, was, it was nasty. Yeah. But then, yeah. whenever they then in post production, they added in the actual soundtrack with all the swear words and all the kind of sexual violence and stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. But it is, it's fucking it's 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 crazy that that you know nineteen seventy four you know the 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 central character is, is wants to have an abortion and it wasn't seen as a bad thing and they they have like a some guy say, you saying the word cunt I just, I just think it's weird yeah um, yeah I've, I've got another clip actually I actually had a few clips that we should have used earlier on um I've got Jess and Peter having their wee argument about marriage or I've got the clip of Phil and Jess talking to the two um, crazy old guys that come to the door crazy old guys crazy old guys let's do it What do you want? Well, we wondered if you'd seen anything peculiar tonight. Well, not until you got here. Oh, well, they scared the shit out of me. I'm sorry, miss, but you do know there was a girl killed in the park tonight. Yes, we heard. Well, we're just helping the police to look for the killer. Well, we'd ask you in, you know. <laughs> but our dog died last night. Oh, oh uh, <laughs> well, well, we don't want a body at a time like that. Uh, we were just wondering if you noticed anything suspicious here tonight. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, well, uh, you just keep your doors and windows locked and uh, and you'll be safe. Okay. You understand? Thanks, yeah. 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 Will. And remember, there might be others from the search party around, so yeah. uh, don't be afraid. We'll be around oh, to see okay. that you're safe. Thank you, Thank okay. you very Just remember to lock those doors and windows yes. out, eh? Okay. Okay, yeah. then. Bye, Good night, now. <laughs> I'd rather face the killer. <laughs> Seriously, do you realize this is the only door and window in this whole house that's locked? Um, we were going to talk about um, <laughs> the ending there, I think. Um, but I just realized something that we haven't really discussed, and it's it's the um, it's the uh, calls are coming from inside the house thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like that's obviously used in when a stranger calls to a great effect. Like the first mm-hmm. twenty five minutes or so of that film are just fucking astoundingly good. Then it becomes a thriller, and then the last twenty minutes are brilliant again. Um, but um, that was obviously like a like a kind of popularized American kind of folk tale. By the time you know Black, yeah. Christmas, Black Christmas didn't invent that. Yeah, um, but th- that's the thing. I mean, Black Christmas doesn't use it, and um, doesn't use it as a twist because obviously that had been done already, and expect that. But they sort of use it in the same way. I mean, like there's. There's a dramatic irony going on, um, and I suppose the dramatic irony is it's probably necessary for the whole plot to ha- happen, you know. Um, like, it, it, ha- it has to be coming from inside the house, basically, because the people keep getting murdered in the house. So I suppose it's not really used as a device, it's just it's just a byproduct of the story, you know. But um, it, still, it still adds a nice, that moment of realisation adds something nice to it, you know. Yeah, that's a brilliant reveal. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant though because yeah. like John Sanson yeah. says to Nash, um, you know, uh, don't, don't don't tell her the guys in the house. Just tell her to put the phone down and walk out of the house. And Nash, if you blow this, <laughs> I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, Nash is going to fuck it up, and he does fuck it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to be fair, he does exactly what he's told. But she. Yeah, it's kind of like it's, it's kind of a get result. out of the house. Yeah, Jess, the calls are coming. That? Yeah. Uh, and then it's that funny bit where it just like scans to the it like, zooms in on the on the empty hallway 
And like when I first saw it, I was expecting to see the killer running down the stairs towards her. But yeah. um, it, that, that doesn't that doesn't happen. Um, instead, she like kind of goes towards the door, and then like obviously a legend, you know, she, she cares about her friends. She doesn't just leg yeah. it. But it's it's whenever she's properly screaming, Phil Barb, please answer me. She's like at the end of her tether. Like that actually mm. like gives me the shivers. It's just it's horrendous to watch, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, um, is that when she bolts for the basement? That's when, yeah, she grabs the um, yeah. the fire poker and then runs down to the basement and then, just by pure That's coincidence, right, yeah. Peter happens to be passing by. And I don't know how he sees her in there or knows she's in there. But then, and then that, That's ba- the bit I'm a bit unsure about. Why would you break a window? You just go, right, she clearly doesn't want to talk to me. But um, Or maybe it's supposed to be because it's going through like a, a bit of a breakdown himself, possibly. Maybe. I don't know. Or possibly he's seen the dead cop in the car. Ah, yeah. yeah, Jennings. But obviously, the oh, the uh, kind of main the main thing it does is that it, it enables Lieutenant Fuller to think that he was right that it, you know that it was that it was Peter who was the um, yeah he was the killer yeah. the whole time. I thought that wasn't really on. Um, you know the bit like because it set up the phone in the police station mm-hmm. so he can listen to the call and then he just listens to every call anyway. Yeah. Surely there should be a rule against that, like. But the thing is that whenever like Fuller first comes to the house, um, that's just when Jess and Peter have had the argument, and he storms out, and like, and there's a moment where, um, John Saxon's just left in the frame, and he kind of looks, looks at Peter. He's just stormed out, and then kind of looks back, and he's thinking to himself, and you can you can tell that he's thinking, ah, uh, that, that you know the, this guy's pissed off, this this guy is acting aggressive. I'm I'm going to keep my eye on him. So whenever he realizes that it's Peter on the phone. Yeah, you know that's obviously yeah, right, yeah, he, yeah, he's basically convinced that it's your man. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah. I guess uh, whether or not that's kind of justifies what he does, but I think I think you know he he does think that. Um, well, what a fucking mission that uh, your man Bill Graham has with the darn it the the phone company. I know. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. that's literally what you have to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to go along and find this weird thing that's moving and then connect it. I was kind of thinking about that though as well. Like when when it shows you those scenes where he's like running after and he's looking up and everything, trying to chase this thing. Would it not have like? Could he not have gone to the last point where he was and go? Yeah, I'll just go back there when the phone again, so I don't have to follow it as much the next time. Yeah, if that makes any sense. I don't know. I'm like, no. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure how it works. I, I remember seeing seeing a similar thing. like when we were kids and you you got like just happening TV shows. It always seemed to be a similar sort of like really arduous process, but. It's yeah. weird that it would be that difficult. Yeah, isn't it? Like yeah. It, it's weird that they wouldn't be able to just think of some way of making it not a complete and utter fucking needle in a haystack operation to find out who's been making obscene phone calls to a, a group of yeah. st- student girls. It, yeah. it obviously, like, it must have just been that, like, this system was was built without that in mind at all, and then yeah. just too difficult to replace or something. I don't know. Because I'm, I'm assuming now. If they want to track a call, it'll just, it'd be like instant. They would instantly know yeah, yeah. not only who called, but who the person is and where they're calling from. Yeah, because I mean, like, you obviously know that yourself. I mean, your, your phone will tell you that anyway. Oh, yeah, true, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I suppose, though, these days you can block kind of things with, like, VPNs and stuff, can't you? Yeah, so yeah. you could, like, fake that you're calling from Afghanistan or something. Yeah, yeah. I think that's still, that. Yeah, there, I'm sure there's still ways to trace that, like, I mean, obviously the NSA have got that, that covered a long time ago. Like, there's bound to be, but I mean, yeah. like the um, the anonymous guys seem seem to be fairly yeah untraceable, don't they? Unless it's just 
you know, we, True. Think, we think they're untraceable, but the feds know who they are, you know, in that, that kind of way. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, I think they should just arrest everybody that has those Guy Fox masks anyway. <laughs> just, you know, get rid of them. <laughs> I don't care. Um, actually, yes. I actually went to like a book launch that was in uh, a Masonic Lodge, a Masonic Hall, um, last year, and it was like Halloween, and it was a book about like about like weird things and around Belfast. So it was like a perfect setting for it. Uh, but as we were coming out, there were all these like Guy Fawkes mask protesters protesting outside the Masonic Lodge, and they were all like shouting at this and stuff. I was like, I'm not a fucking Mason. Well, that's what I'm a Mason fucking... would say. This is, yeah, this is pretty hard. It's pretty hard to be argue this point. Yeah. Actually, yes. Uh, like because because we're kind of nearing the end, it's, I'm kind of remembering all the things that I wanted to bring up. There's another point I wanted to bring up, and it's whenever whenever Mr. Harrison is underneath the uh, clock at uh, Toronto University, and he gets hit in the face by a snowball. Because the guy comes over and he's a grown man, and first of all you're thinking, "What the fuck are you doing throwing snowballs, mate?" And then um, he says, uh, "Oh, I'm I'm really sorry. I should have been keeping a bit a better eye out." And then Mr. Harrison, quite rank, quite rightly, says, "Yes, I should I should think so." And then the guy turns round and has the has the audacity to say, "Yeah, well, I said I was sorry." I think, "Excuse me, man. Like, like you you're a twenty year old student." And you're fucking throwing snowballs, and and you. No, threw... I, I think, I think he's a teacher. I think he. It was one of the kids he was looking after through the snowball, and he says, "I should have been keeping a better eye on them." Was it not? Like on the kids that threw it, uh, but even even so, yeah, the guy the guy comes off as a micro then because he like turns around and says, uh, yeah. "Yeah, it's it's like he's like he's actually surprised that Mister Harrison is annoyed at him to the extent that yeah, he's not he... just going to immediately forgive him and think that's okay, but then yeah, after he's fucking glasses off. I know exactly, and then he goes. Yeah. He he kind of calls after him and says, "Oh, I'm sorry to bother you. I can I can tell that you're busy." And I I'm never yeah. sure, I'm never sure how to take that line. If that's a wee a wee sarcastic, you know, I can tell that you're yeah, busy through fucking snowballs, you bald yeah. egg. <laughs> 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 but I wonder if you know. I was supposed to meet my daughter here at uh, nine o'clock. It's half past now, <laughs> and she still hasn't turned up. <laughs> yeah, whatever, so Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's another brilliant Canadian bit whenever um, uh, Claire Harrison's boyfriend uh, Chris Hayden I think he's called and uh, whenever they go to the um, police department to find out about where Claire is and um, uh, John Saxon comes out and says oh, do you know Claire and he goes yeah I've been taking her out <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I love his big fur coat as well he looks Amazing. like uh, yeah. like one of the guys who bet on the sheep in Father Ted, <laughs> <laughs> the guys who take the pay off to like scare the sheep. But the actor's called um, Art Hendel, and apparently he's still got that fur coat in his in his wardrobe at home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then also also the fact that he's kind of playing hockey. You know, it's like they've they've kind of they started with the intention of 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 hiding the Canadianness, but it didn't go very well. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it just can't. It's impossible. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it'll I, always come out in in that documentary I was telling you about. Um, they were kind of talking about that, and one of the one of the things is like the uh, the beer that um, Barb is drinking in the police station. Apparently, that's like a it's a classic Canadian beer. Was it? Yeah. Was it maple syrup? Yeah, it was. No. <laughs> <laughs> Choking a big can. Um. So yeah, I don't really think they, they don't don't really think they hit it very well. My Canadian colleague brought us brought us all back um, maple cookies. Fucking hell, they are they are something else. Like 
maple cream cookies. Oh. That sounds great. <laughs> they're, 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 it's the best, the best snack I've ever eaten. I love and, maple syrup. Uh, oh. I used to just like uh, dip bread in it. And eat it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> I can eat it like that. I know. I mean, that 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 classic. Like the the best breakfast I ever had was in Winnipeg, and it was just the classic. You know, blueberry pancakes, crispy streaky bacon, and maple syrup and black coffee. I mean, yeah. that's it. Yeah. That's all you need. That's good. Okay. Um. Well, I guess we're probably coming to the to the end. Um. Of the of the cast. So. Um. Got one final clip to play, so I'm gonna play that. We'll take a pee, and then we'll come back and say anything else we want to say and do our final um, remarks. Yeah, cool. final scores. Okay, so this is uh, Jess and Peter having their wee discussion about marriage and abortion and the baby and stuff. Now listen, Jess. I know you're upset, but I've got something to tell you. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving the conservatory. Peter. Now, just hear me out. Will you hear me out, please? Now, I've lived in one room for eight years, and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of having to line up behind six people every time I want to take a bath. I've had it. I'm quitting the conservatory, and we're getting married. We'll say something. Do you remember when we first met? You told me about your wanting to be a concert pianist. How it was your greatest dream. And I told you about some of the things that I wanted to do. I still want to do those things. You can't ask me to drop everything I've been working for and give up all my ambitions because your plans have changed. Be realistic. I can't marry you. Sure you can. What does it change? We could be married. You could still do anything you wanted to do. Peter, I don't want to marry you. All right. What about the baby? Okay, so it's time to uh, do our final reviews, I think. Unless anyone can think of anything else they want to say about BC. The time period? No, I was talking about (laughs) British Columbia, which is in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I I got got my fist. (laughs) No, uh, Black Christmas. I was actually talking about Black Christmas. <laughs> okay. No, I think I've, I think we've covered it. So, I was thinking we should do marks out of twelve, because okay. the, the twelve days of Christmas. Yeah. Oh. Um. So, yeah, I'll I'll go first. Crazy okay. P, have you got the the stopwatch? Oh, hang on. Uh, okay. it, Yeah. So what's your? Yeah. Well, you have to give your score first. Uh, out of twelve, twelve. I mean, I, I gave Friday the 13th 17 out of 17, so Black Christmas has to be, by default, 12 out of 12. Fair enough. Um, okay, so are you ready to review and why? Yes. Ready, set, go. Um, unbelievably influential, unbelievably atmospheric and creepy, brilliant direction, brilliant characters, fleshed out, thought about, uh, a completely influential film, revolutionised uh, horror for oh. the next nowhere near enough time revolutionized for the next 10 minutes I thought you were going to say so yeah that's fine yeah uh, that's what I was going to say <laughs> D uh, I'll go for um, I'll go for 10 I mean 10 and a half I'll go for 10 and a half actually okay I think that's fair 
It's going to be hard to stop a stopwatch at half a ten or <laughs> seconds. You might get 11. Okay. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Three, two, one, go. Oh, I think it just had everything I wanted from a horror film. It was suspenseful and filled with dread and good actors. That'll do. Go. Three seconds to spare. Um, Paul? Okay. Oh, sweet. Am I going to have to get my phone? You're going to have to time me. I can time myself, but I'll use... be too distracted. Um, I've, I've got Google here. You can use the Google I stopwatch. Google stopwatch, definitely. Um, are you ready to go? Uh, so, uh, I'm going to go to 11. 11. Okay. Uh, I, and, okay. Okay. Uh, I think it, yeah, it, it really disturbed me, but it worked on every level that I thought a horror movie should work on. It also really reminded us and was very enjoyable. Uh, time up. Yeah, I mean, I I think that it actually is one of the things that I really, really enjoy about the film is how Christmassy it is, because anyone who knows me knows that I, I love Christmas and I love... I love all the stupid, simple things about Christmas that everyone else hates, like the like the fucking colorful lights. You know, like how how crap yeah. is that to like colorful I, lights? Yeah, just oh, I, I'm with you on Christmas. I yeah. am I'm a sucker for Christmas. Like, um, I'm fairly neutral on it. I sort of don't really. It's not that I hate it. I just don't care. <laughs> I actually really hate Grinches. Like, I just, either way, I just don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because um, I, I know people in my work who've just complained about it like incessantly, and it just does my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shut up! It's, it's not like, that all right, bad. I get it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. You're, you're just the, the like you just want to be seen to hate Christmas because it's cool to hate Christmas. Yeah. Um, exactly. In fact, actually, um, Paul, Paul's wife uh, Rachel posted this hilarious cartoon on um, Facebook. It was like a, a, a comic strip, and it was a guy who a guy in an office holding a cup of coffee <laughs> talking to another guy and he says um, don't talk to me until, un, un, until I've had my morning coffee and then the next strip is is the same guy saying okay and then the next strip is like him in, him in the hallway holding the cup of coffee saying okay and then the next strip is like the guy he's, he's been talking to is obviously in a cubicle taking a poo and the guy's outside his cubicle holding a coffee going okay <laughs> <laughs> and it's like yeah. so. It's supposed to be people who, like, you, you're not actually grumpy until you have until you had your cup of coffee. You just want to be perceived as someone who's grumpy until they've had their cup of coffee because <laughs> you think it's cool, and that, that's the way kind of Grinches are about Christmas. Yeah. That's that's from that's pretty drawn lines. It's comics. They're brilliant. That's so funny. <laughs> um, I quite like winter actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and, and and that's the thing because like I think like the majority of people who kind of complain about Christmas complain about you know the crass commercialization and how hypocritical it is for nice you know secure middle class Westerners to be celebrating this holiday where you just drink and spend money on shit and eat loads whenever there's like people in Palestine and Syria who are being absolutely fucking wrecked. Um, yeah. But I think it was, it's just like. It was- it, it it doesn't have to be as crass as all that. It, it can just be as simple as enjoying the fact that snow is falling or enjoying the fact that you're sitting beside a fire drinking some beer. Yeah. I was, I was reading about... Uh, it's like this sort of um, collective group. I think they're anarchists, maybe, or something. It's a, I think it was in Sweden. But apparently every Christmas they dress up as Santa and go into like toy stores and steal loads of toys and just give them to kids. 
because <laughs> they basically know what's going to happen is the police will come in and people will just get this image of the police beating up Santa and snatching toys <laughs> off crying kids. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, actually, yeah, that, 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 that was another thing I, I we didn't really bring up was like during the podcast was like other Christmas horror films. Um, oh. And I guess we'll... Santa is one. S-L-A-Y. I haven't seen uh, that one. It's... I've seen it twice and I can't really remember anything about it other than I think I think Santa might be Satan or he might be a demon of some sort, but he like loses a bet um or something and has to be good for and bring presents to kids for like a thousand years, but a thousand years ends in like nineteen eighty seven or something. <laughs> and he uh, he goes and starts taking revenge and he slays. One of my, one of my favourites beyond Black Christmas is the I was talking about earlier on is um Christmas Evil, or you better watch out about this this kid who who sees his um, his dad dressed as Santa Claus, um, fondling his his mother, and this kind of makes him go crazy. And then it cuts to the present day, and he basically thinks that he is Santa Claus. Um, so he goes around and he spies on all the kids in his neighborhood, and he's got them all like in a in a big book, like a. The book of good boys and girls and the book of bad boys and girls, and like he right. looks at, he like looks at them with like binoculars and stuff. It's like actually really fucking horrendously creepy. It's and really on, creepy. On Christmas Eve, he dresses up as um, Santa and he goes out and uh, like <laughs> fucking hell gives gives presents to all the good kids. But then uh, yeah. along the way, like he meets people he doesn't like and he just like you know murders them and stuff. Um, <laughs> it's a brilliant film. I think like next year, next you guys have any. Suggestions. <laughs> I, I, I would probably suggest doing. You better watch out. Is there a film? Um, I don't know what it is, but I have a feeling. Isn't there some sort of Christmas themes? Like maybe it isn't a horror film, but I thought it was. But it's notorious for being one of those like really bad films. But it's so bad, it's enjoyable. I don't know. I'll, I'll research it and I'll yeah, I'm not sure. If, um, remember. Saturday Night Deadly Night, or like like the Possibly. the, uh, the uh, Jack Frost What's... franchise. I don't know. Yeah, I know there was sequels to it anyway. It's like an evil. Like, um, it was maybe. T- maybe Jack Frost. Jack Frost is like, an, like a yeah, like an evil snowman. Oh, I don't think it's that. Uh, it doesn't matter. Well, Saturday Night Deadly Night had maybe four or five, four sequels, and Saturday Night Deadly Night Two has the classic, the classic moment where the guy shoots the guy and, and says "Garbage Day." <laughs> that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, Saturday yeah. like, Night Deadly Night Two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because because the original film is brilliant. It's it's like um actually actually Linnea Quigley's in the original film. Oh um, right. Okay. Yeah. Um it's really oh. good. It's it, it's quite trashy. Um but it's good. Okay. Um so I guess before we sign off, um may as well may as well tell us um what 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 you're actually getting up to this Christmas, guys. Crazy P, what are, what are you up to this Christmas? I, well, I bought uh, what sixty six pounds worth of beer yesterday, uh, so we drank drinking some of that, and uh, yeah, we're just doing in the rounds. I'm only I'm off for three days, which is uh, is a lot for me at Christmas. So uh, yeah, we're just sort of going among, about the houses and drinking beers and giving beers to people and hoping that they they open them. And, and it's your firstborn son's first Christmas. It is so. Yeah, he's sort of still too young to really know what the hell's going on. But, Wanker. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but he will. Uh, yeah, he'll, he'll probably probably tear the place up. Like 
you'll probably get loads, of, you loads get? of presents and be completely spoiled. Yeah, wrong. yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Cool. A few brandies as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Dee? Ah, oh, same old. Like, um, I just always look forward to football on Boxing Day. <laughs> Classic day. Just loads of football on Boxing Day. <laughs> but you're going to Dublin, though, aren't you? Fuck yeah, but I don't, it sort of coincides with Star Wars being on as well. But I'm more interested in going to Dublin and getting drunk. Good stuff. Than Star Wars. So yeah. It'll be fun. Cool. What about you, Ian? Going to Amsterdam. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, girlfriend Tamsin and I are going to Amsterdam for Christmas. And it's funny because, like, whenever anyone says, like, what are you doing for Christmas? I say, I'm going to Amsterdam. And they go, what, for actual Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to clarify, yes, I'm going for the for the 24th and 25th of December. Yeah. Cool. So that'll be good hey, fun. Um, did you say you're going to see Star Wars on Christmas Day in Amsterdam? No, no, no. No, it's uh, on no, Saturday, no. which is no, the 7th, no, 18th. Um, were you going to see it in Amsterdam? And... We may, yes. We may, may, not on Christmas Day, but we may go and see it on the 23rd right. or the 24th. Fair enough. Um, maybe maybe smoke a big massive vifta and go and see Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars, in a way, kind of reminds me of Christmas, though, because yeah. it always used to be on when I was a kid, like, on ITV. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. It's like epic things that remind me of Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the uh, Hoth Battle, the sort of Empire. Yeah, it was. It's always Empire Strikes Back as well. Reminds yeah. me of Christmas. Maybe it's the snow. Yeah, yeah. Must be. Um, but yeah, cool. So we we covered Black Christmas. I think that's that's one of the one of my favorite my this my favorite film that we've covered so far. And last episode we were bemoaning the fact that we never cover films that are actually good. Um, but I think I, yeah. think I think that's maybe slightly made up for it. I think I think Black Christmas is an actually good film. Would you say? Yeah. yeah. What are we covering next time? What was oh. it my choice? Oh yeah, she had forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, D, it's your uh, choice. Uh, I'm risking picking a crap film. I hope it's not crap though. I'm gonna pick that film, Society. Brian Usner, who is what's he responsible for? What's um, he called? Re- I know he was Reanimator. Society was. Society. Yeah, he uh, Society was his first film, he and he's also responsible. Uh, he yeah. did Bride of Reanimator. I think he was involved with Reanimator though, and he also directed maybe the worst one, Return of the Living Dead Three, mm. and oh, okay. The Dentist as well. Oh, The Dentist, yeah. But uh, I, I, I've, I've kind of wanted to see Society for a while though. So. Cool. Yeah, the cool. there's actually a DVD rental store in Bristol. It's the last one. It's the last surviving Brit- DVD rental store in Bristol, and they've got loads Fresh, of stuff. No? Really good horror section. Loads of foreign language stuff. And I was looking at their thing, and they've got society, so I think I'll be renting that. Oh, okay, cool. sweet, cool. <laughs> That'll be good. So that we we'll, we'll look forward to that in the new year at some point. Yeah, excellent. Okay, and then I'll start picking good ones after that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess it just remains to say to wish everyone who is listening, if indeed anyone is, uh, happy Christmas and a happy new year. And I'm sure I'll see you guys. Oh, I'll maybe, I'll maybe not see you guys before Christmas. Actually, maybe not. Yeah. I'm around, so uh, I'm never, not going very far. So yeah, if you're around, give us a, give us a shout. We'll we'll do something horrific. Yeah, we could have a what's stay dead pint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we have time, like, yeah, we could have a we could have a won't stay dead Christmassy pint. We'll tweet all our followers. Yeah. They'll be will be hanging on on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'll be just like having a wart removed. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, um, should we do like a, a won't stay dead competition? For what? I, I don't know. The prize could be we mention you in a tweet. Yeah. <laughs> he would give a fuck about write, that. Write your names on our faces <laughs> when drinking our pints. <laughs> let's, let's think about that. We'll, we'll tweet about that when we're having our pints. Okay. And then all our all our amazing Twitter followers can respond as they are want to do. <laughs> like uh, like what's her face? I've forgotten her name now. Who? We have one famous follower, don't we? Um, Linnea Quigley. Does she follow us? Yeah. No, Linnea Quigley retweeted something. We are followed by Daria Nicolodi. Yeah. And we're also followed by... By Pam Greer, aka Foxy Pam Brown. Greer. Yeah, right. Yeah. Pam Greer, yeah. And we so all... she clearly And we are also followed by um, Garetta Garetta. Is her name on Twitter? The the girl from um, Demons. Oh, right. Cool. One of the, one of the uh, pro- prostitutes. From yeah. Demons. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. So there you go. Claim to fame. Right. Happy Christmas, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you all die. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock Jingle bells swing and jingle bells ring Snowing and blowing up bushels of fun Now the jingle hop has begun Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock Jingle bells chime and jingle bell time Dancing and prancing in jingle bell square In the frosty air What a bright time, it's the right time To rock the night away Jingle bell rock.